This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. <laughs> who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. Like in, the, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Joe, stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome. Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Grace alongside, as always, and once again, I should say, the King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's up? There is so much to talk about. We've been we've been we've been shredding water. I think you know we we've come onto the show the last bunch of weeks and said, okay, well, everybody said there wasn't gonna be anything to talk about. Well, we found it. It's zero one. It's two aw. It's you know we were finding stuff. I was pretty happy with our shows. You know, a lot of people were. We're, we're, we're throwing in a towel, going classic, watching old stuff. And I get it. I understand that. But we I think we held strong. We got as much stuff as we could. We watched some promotions we've never, you know, delved into too much on this show. We, we, we talked about topics that we maybe have never talked about before. But goddamn, if this isn't just – this is every week we've had for the last five years, basically, at this point. In a good way, I mean, where it's just fucking loaded with stuff to talk about. It's unbelievable everything that happened in the last week. No, wait. We're back now. New Japan's back, so forget it. It's unless there's a awful second wave which completely shuts down society for a second time, then you know this is it. We're you know we're back with packed weeks and figuring out what we're going to cut from the show. But uh, the COVID era is over, baby. It's over. But uh, <laughs> COVID is it's solved. We're good. It's good. Don't that's me. it. COVID. The COVID era is over. But uh, yeah, I mean, what do we have? Two months worth of COVID shows or something like that? Right around there. Yeah, right around that. I I don't think there was a single week where we were like struggling to fill the time. There was that one week where you were a little concerned. You're like, what the fuck are we going to talk about? But I, I don't remember what week it was, but then, you know, some shit happened. The bottom line is there's always news. And thankfully there was always big Japan to fall back on because nothing was stopping them. And now yeah, they got Japan- us you know, credit to big Japan. They got us through the early wave. Uh, we kind of fell off on Big Japan in the later wave, but they got, I mean, those first few weeks, they, they were clutch. They came up real strong for, for those few weeks there where Big Japan was just, it was a lot of Daichi Hashimoto, and I don't want to go back to it, but, but I mean, credit to them. They, they kept us pretty strong there for the first uh, big wave. Yeah, for sure. So, um, look, you know, some of these topics might not make the cut moving forward. We'll see. But, I mean, it's a full slate. We got a shit ton of big-time WWE news. We've got to touch on TakeOver. If you want a full match-by-match breakdown of TakeOver in your house, uh, that's available on the $10 tier because uh, we did the instant reaction live on that. So we're not going to do a full match-by-match. Thank God we don't have to because we definitely wouldn't have time. (laughs) No, God, yeah. Thank God for that instant reaction for sure. Those take up about an hour when we do them on the flagship. Go a little longer with the instant reactions, but uh, there wouldn't have been time. And then we got a preview – Backlash, because the greatest match ever is going to happen. I, I know. So. People are, are, are really downplaying this, but in a few days, <laughs> the greatest wrestling match ever is going to happen, and I feel like people aren't talking enough about it, but we are. We are going to talk about it, Joe. 
New Japan is back, so we got to uh, take a look at the New Japan Cup and some of the things that they're doing. Uh, independent wrestling is coming back, so uh, we'll see if we have time to get to it. We'll talk about uh, the lineups that Game Changer rolled out, and then uh, there's a bunch of Japan topics that we can touch on, uh, what, the stuff going on in all Japan that we've kind of been overlooking on the flagship. We're going to try to get to that. This is a 0-1 and 2-A-W podcast now, so uh, we've got to talk about the two shows that dropped from those two companies, and then the Dragon Gate had the King of Gate final too. But uh, how much longer do you think this will be a zero one and two AW podcast? This could be it, huh? Um, you know, okay. <laughs> I don't want to though. That's the thing is is one thing I have enjoyed over over these last few weeks is is delving into some uh, uh you know companies that we haven't talked about. It's like financially, it's a disaster to talk about zero one and two AW, and we we always tell you guys that if if we really cared that much about quitting our jobs and doing this thing full time. In no way, shape, or form would we ever talk about 2AW. We would just review Raw, review SmackDown, talk about WWE, talk about Sasha Banks' tweets. Like, that's the shit we would do if we really wanted to make money on this thing. Clearly, we we, we want to make, you know, a little bit of money. Patreon.com slash Voices Wrestling. But um, not enough where, like, I don't... I, I still want to talk about those promotions at some time. So I think we should keep at least one eye on those at at, at bat, I mean, maybe you don't watch everything. Like, I just watched the 2AW main event from the last few days. I know you watched some Zero One stuff. I think we, I, I don't want to completely let Zero One and 2AW go. Is, is that okay? Like, I, I, I like them, and I think we should keep them. I've been into them. The issue is going to be time. Right. Because with no New Japan all of this time, I mean, let's face it, that freed up like an hour of every show. Because we'd probably spend a good hour on New Japan anytime there was a show happening, uh, anytime there was a preview or a review to do, and there would have been news that whole time. So I, it's not because you know I just want to kick those promotions aside. It just becomes an issue of time. So we'll see. I mean, um, you know, it, it's it'll go week by week, but it's uh, this week. It looks like it just there's just news coming out of everywhere, and maybe it just feels like a more packed show because we haven't had one. Right, right. I'm not used to this anymore. But we used to—I think we used to have this every week. It's just now. It's like, oh my god, there's news. New Japan's here. WWE's doing shit again. Like it it feels like a show from June 2019, but it's here in June 2020. But we've had in March and April and and the first half of June that felt like we were really just like, hey, let's talk about whatever the hell we can. Whereas, yeah, now we're 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 kind of back to where we've been for a while. But um, yeah, let's let's just get right into this here because I think this is again loaded show. People think people always think on these loaded shows. Oh my god, you guys are not going to have time to get. We we do pretty good on the loaded shows. I think we do a pretty. We don't bullshit about hot pockets as much on the loaded shows as we do on uh, on the shows where there's not as much. But I, I want to get to this right away because I think this is a very very interesting topic. Unless you want to banter about hot pockets, then you may you may absolutely do that. I, I don't want to banter about hot pockets. Uh, hot pockets. I did want to say very quickly, you would not let me do audio last week. You know, I was still going to do it. You. It, very intelligently, and you made the right call, uh, told me to sit it out both here and behind the paywall uh, because my dog had died that day. Right. Um, so, But I, I just wanted to say, and I didn't want to do this behind the paywall. I wanted to say it on the flagship where everybody could hear it. Um, I didn't really respond to many people at all, but it was pretty overwhelming the amount of messages I got. Uh, text messages, Twitter, uh, Twitter DMs, uh, behind the paywall, the Patreon messages. I mean, I got hundreds of messages you know just um you know condolences and telling me to hang in there and everything and 
I mean, that was overwhelming and unexpected. So I just wanted to say to everyone at the same time, uh, thank you for that. And, um, you know, it's just, it was, uh, you know, uh, just, just totally unexpected to get that big of an overwhelming, you know, wave of, of, of support from everyone, um, you know, over, over a dog that none of you ever met or, you know, so it just, it, 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 it really, you know, it hit me, uh, where it matters to get all those, those messages from everybody. So, um, I just want to say thank you to everyone. And, um, you know, it was peaceful. She died peacefully mm-hmm. and just how I wanted it to happen. You know, I didn't want her to die on a cold vet table. And especially in luckily, this era too, where it's like, can we kind of, no, not, we can't all see her. No, only one person could see her or no, nobody could see her. Yeah. It's like, it's awful. Yeah. Awful. So, so she, she died in her bed, in her home, quietly in her sleep. Can't ask for anything better than that. So, um, you know, I just wanted to thank everybody and, uh, we can talk about some wrestling now. All right, so and everything's going well. Everyone's oh, transitioning yeah, yeah. As, as well as they can, you know, without uh, without her in the in no, the house. No, I mean, you know, when when you know it's coming, it's a little easier, right? You know, so you prepare like the kids and everything, and um, yeah, there's just one little moment where um, I, I came into the room and the girl had her tablet, and um, I, I said, "What are you doing?" And this was during the dog, you know, one of the final days. And I said, what are you doing with your tablet? You know, and, and, and she goes, oh, uh, daddy, I'm taking some pictures of Lexi so you can remember her. Oh, jeez, man. <laughs> I, I just lost it, you yeah, know, and I just I lost it instantly, you know, and, and um, you know, she's four years old. And to just be that thoughtful and she's in there taking pictures on her tablet and, you know, that just that just uh, that blew me away. But uh, but yeah, let's. Uh, Let's do some wrestling. All right, let's let's get to it here. So the the big story I think that we're going to lead off here is uh, Paul Heyman. So this is a uh, a tweet that WWE sent out yesterday, uh, as of this recording. It says, "Quote: In an effort to streamline our creative writing process for television, we have consolidated both teams from Raw and SmackDown into one group, led by Bruce Prichard. Paul Heyman will concentrate on his role." is an in-ring performer. So that was the tweet that was sent out. We got a little bit more clarity uh, in the Wrestling Observer uh, this week as well. I'll kind of just quickly read that. Um, Not There's a ton of details in there, but I'm just going to kind of read the the big picture stuff here. Uh, So this is this week's Wrestling Observer, June 15th, 2020 Wrestling Observer. Uh, Quote, the continued decline in WWE ratings have led to a change at press time as Bruce Pritchard would take uh, take over as full creative head under Vince McMahon starting immediately. And Paul Heyman, at least in theory, will return to just being a television performer. Heyman was working with dual contracts, a performer's contract and an employee management contract, uh, the latter of which was terminated on six. 11. So uh, it, is said, it is said by those close to the situation that once COVID-19 started, that McMahon's mentality changed about everything. Previously, previously, the mentality was all about the future. The XFL was a long-term play. Ronder Heyman was a long-term play. Expanding NXT into Europe and Japan and opening other markets under Paul Levesque was a long-term play. Now the mentality is to worry about what you have and think about the now, even though the company is going to be more profitable this year and next than probably any other time in its existence. So... Uh, what did you make of the news when you heard Paul Heyman out uh, as far as Raw? This is about uh, almost one year to the date that, that Paul Heyman was installed as, I forget the title, executive producer of Raw, and Eric Bischoff was, was uh, it was sometime in June 2019, uh, 2019. I'm almost positive uh, that was, and yeah, Eric Bischoff was going to be the, the, the executive producer or whatever the hell of SmackDown. Almost a year to the date, Paul Heyman out, Bruce Pritchard, who took over for Eric Bischoff on the SmackDown side, now consolidating power, and you know, he is in charge of both Raw and SmackDown uh, creative Underneath the guidance, of course, of Vince McMahon. 
Yeah, I mean, well, he lasted a lot longer than Bischoff, but um, it's not unexpected. It, it's every few years, McMahon will give some power to Heyman and put him in charge of something. And outside of the, you know, SmackDown Six era, you know, it's never, it, it, it's never a significant run. I mean, this one, what, just under a year, or just, just about a year, year, yeah, just around a year. Um. So it, it's not unexpected. Plus, I mean, you know, the ratings obviously are terrible. But what's funny is, it, you know, to me, the SmackDown rating situation is worse than Oh, absolutely. Raw. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're on fucking Fox. <laughs> like, I, 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 I'm honestly stunned each week when the SmackDown ratings come out. I don't know if it's because they come out on the weekend or they come out at a weird time. I'm stunned that more people don't focus on the fact that this show's on fucking Fox. <laughs> and it's getting, like barely better than raw ratings like that is inexcusable right it's it's they the the smackdown started with what over four million viewers week yes correct and they were winning the demo every week doing about a 0.9.8 and i understand you know the covid has taken a bite out of everybody i get it but you look at the smackdown ratings now and this past week you know they're below two million they did like 1.7 million, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not looking at it. This is all off memory. And they're down to like a 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 in the demo. And they're barely winning the 18 to 49 against rerun season on the networks. And why that is important is the value in the Fox deal, as we've been talking about all along, was that they would clean up in the summer against reruns. Right. The advantage of WWE programming is there's no off there's no downtime and there's no off season. Right, it's live so, sports that never has an off season, which is fantastic to to networks. Correct. So the theory being, okay, uh, maybe we won't dominate against Hawaii Five O, which is now canceled, but maybe we won't dominate against Hawaii Five O or wherever the fuck else is going up against us in the winter, but we'll still be competitive and we'll still do well. And then in the summer, we're going to clean up and we're going to get all of our value. When all of the other networks are running reruns. Now we're in rerun season and they're struggling to beat the reruns in all of the key demos on the SmackDown side. And they're under 2 million. So to me, SmackDown has taken a bigger hit and is doing worse than Raw. Raw still has weeks where they're like top five all three hours. Not every week. And don't get me wrong. Raw's doing terrible. I mean, they're hitting all time lows like every week. Nearly every week, it's a new all-time low. But to me, the drop has been more precipitous on the SmackDown side. And uh, and to me, it's it's uh, a, a more vital drop because it's Fox. And Fox is going to be less patient with them than cable. So it's interesting to me that the line the company's given out to people like Meltzer is that it's ratings-driven. When you could argue that Bruce Pritchard is doing worse. Right in the COVID era than Heyman is. And here's the other thing. Paul Heyman was doing exactly what he was told. When they gave him the job, they told him, we need to improve with young people. We need to improve with women. And in particular with young women, those are the groups we're losing. And a lot of these storylines that he had come up with, you know, all the cuck storylines and all this other offbeat stuff. Okay. Which people like us were dunking on. In some cases, we're connecting with those audiences before COVID. OK, 
Okay, they were drawing younger viewers. They were drawing women, and and that's what he was chasing. And the other thing was, Heyman, uh, from the start, was going to push new people, whether. Uh, it was, uh, you know, could run right down the line with, uh, whether it was Liv Morgan, he tried Cedric Alexander, he tried Ricochet for a while. Uh, you, you know, uh, you know, all the names on that side, Austin theory. Yeah. Andrade um, is, is one Apollo Cruz is a new one. Obviously we'll talk about it when we talk about backlash, but, uh, I, I think, you know, you could definitely say McIntyre felt kind of like one of Paul's dudes, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's, there's a whole bunch of them and, 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 and the stated, his stated thing was like, look, it's going to take at least 18 months to get these people over, but we've got to start getting new faces over because we have to start building towards the future. And that's been Heyman's MO forever. He is always has an eye on the future. Right. Yeah. And I do want, I do want to clarify one thing real quick because I did see a lot of people and we were discussing it on Twitter and whatnot saying like, Oh, well, you guys just like anything that's good. You think Heyman did and everything that's bad. Vince did or whatever. And it, it's not that at all. It's, after watching, we've watched, you've watched this guy's product, like, literally almost your entire life. Since, since what, 1993, 1994, you've been consuming Paul Heyman-related products. And you know what Paul Heyman does. You know what has his fingerprints and what doesn't. They're, not all of it lands. Like you said, the cuck stuff we thought was fucking terrible, but there was a reason why he did it. And it's not for us, but it was for certain people. But, you know, what, what you know, I, I have seen a lot of people saying, oh, well, you, you know, you just think that, you know, the, Paul wanted to push those guys and not like, no, look at the playbook. Look at what that guy has done in his history. It's very clear who is a Paul Heyman guy. What is sort of his sort of stories? Yeah, maybe we're not hitting 100 percent. Maybe there are some things that, that he had no hand in that just sort of happened. But like, I think we got a pretty damn good guess of what Paul Heyman's, you know, booking and, and, and style looks like after seeing ECW, after seeing SmackDown, after seeing, you know, what he's done on Raw. It's, it's not that, you know, like we're, we, we know what we're talking about here. We're we're pretty smart people. We can we can put two and two together. So I just wanted to clarify that real quick because I did see a lot of people be like, how do you know what Paul Heyman did and what did Vince do and all that sort of stuff? And, and no, we don't know exactly 100% who did what or whatever, but... I mean, you can fucking tell that, you know, Andrade, you know, Drew McIntyre, that that sort of stuff feels like a Paul Heyman thing. Because like you said, it's always been his M.O. to build for the future, build those future stars, build that next generation, you know, worry about what's coming up, you know, down the pipeline. So, yeah, that, that's that's I just wanted to clarify that real quick. It's always very simple to, to see Paul Heyman's fingerprints. They're the most obvious fingerprints in the world. And look, obviously, yes, Vince has the final say. And I'm sure this wasn't just Paul Heyman with free reign. In fact, I know it wasn't. And, you know, in the beginning, the idea was Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff are going to have free reign because Vince is going to be busy with the XFL. Vince is getting older. Of course, that didn't last, and we knew it wouldn't. We talked about it at the time. It didn't last through okay. the conference call. It was it was all conference call driven, and, and, and we don't know that yeah. this isn't either as well. But, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's clear at the time last year. Go listen to our show last year. We said it. This is A, going to not last. B, it's just kind of paper titles for the most part. For Bischoff, it was. For him, and it wasn't. And I was kind of surprised by that. He did actually have some power there and did have some pull. It, 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 it definitely appeared. The Bischoff stuff, you could tell, there was nothing different about SmackDown when Eric Bischoff took no. over. Nothing. No, but and, – and, and obviously Vince has the final say on everything, but – um, you know, th- there's obvious Paul Heyman fingerprints here, and there's directives that he did get through, and it and and the things he said he was going to do, we saw play out. I mean, they they there was an honest effort put in to pushing new people, and because of COVID, we don't really know if they're over or not. I mean, it's tricky because you don't have live crowds. That's your first indicator. Your second indicator is the ratings. Um, but with the COVID, it makes it tricky. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
We suspect no one is mega over because the ratings continue to slide, but it's hard to tell entirely. But even so, I think they were expecting a bit of a drop back because, again, you know, it takes 18 months or more. And he didn't even get he barely got 12 months to get these new people over. And you're working against the tide a lot of the time with Vince because he changes his mind on people. Right. I mean, look, look at Cedric and and Ricochet where they were. Eight months ago to compare where they are today. I mean, it's night and day. I mean, there was obviously a plan in place to build those guys up to a certain level. And then, you know, seemingly, you know, in, a, in, in an instant, it's cut off. And now they're just dudes on main event. So half the people we named had the rug pulled out from under them. And, I, and, and you know, I'm sure in some of those cases, that was Vince losing patience for whatever Vince reason he had. There may have been other cases where Heyman decided this. But that's not really his M.O. He usually has a long-term plan and then sticks to it and sees it out. Right, and for better or for worse. These, he, he he will usually stick with something for, for as long as he can. The way that some of these plugs were pulled, it's just, again, just studying his booking patterns. So, so no, I, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, you're, you're giving 100% credit to all the new ideas, but you can't give him 100% blame either because, you know, Ultimately, Vince is making the final call on everything. But there were obvious Paul Heyman fingerprints. Right. Raw, there were things on Raw, just you know, slipping in profanity and uh, you know, doing the overtly sexual stuff. I mean, that's Paul Heyman stuff, you know. And it's like I don't love everything he does. Uh, uh, in the big picture, I would put Paul Heyman in charge of my wrestling show tomorrow, with no worries. Uh, he used to be my number one draft pick in that regard. He's not anymore, but he'd be my number two. The only person I'd put in charge of a television show today before Paul Heyman would be Tony Khan. I think he's doing a phenomenal job. But I would put Paul Heyman second. And I still think I would trust him to run a successful television show. But he didn't have enough time to execute this plan and COVID threw everything out of whack. But to get back to the question you asked me 20 minutes ago, am I surprised? Of course I'm not surprised. How can you be surprised that Vince McMahon gets impatient with anybody? So – uh, so, so no, in the longest winded answer of all time, I am not surprised Rich Krejci that they got rid of uh... <laughs> Right. So, uh, I, I think the interesting news here, um, in a lot of ways too, consolidating the power uh, of both writing teams. So both writing teams get combined. I have no idea how many people are on the writing team right now. Probably way more than you need. Of course, way more uh, than you need. And, and I just love the idea that the second in command is Bruce Pritchard. So Well, Bruce Pr- well, here's the thing. We just talked about it. Like Bruce Pritchard has sunk SmackDown. Worse than Raw was sunk with Heyman. So it's like now he's in charge of both shows. Yeah. He just added and- 3 hours to his plate there, which I again, he's not a he's not a young man either. I'm sure he's- I wonder what and, that and sounded not, like when he said, "Hey, uh, hey, pal, uh, <laughs> you're in charge of Raw now, pal." It's so like, "Oh, he's great." He's not a young man. He's not a young man, and he's not doing a good job. Right, and he's bad at his job, but. Well, I mean, I see people going. We oh, think well, he's Smack- bad at his job. Sorry, we think he's bad at his job, but there's one man who probably doesn't. It doesn't matter what we think. There's one man he, and that's the thing that Bruce Prichard has always been able to do is he can write to one guy, the audience of one that we always hear yep. from every writer that's ever worked there that says it doesn't matter what your idea is, your long-term plan, your, you can bring a binder to the thing, you can say, here's what I want to do. All you have to do at the end of the day is have one man say, I like it, go for it. That's, yeah. all, the, that's all the job is. It's not about, I'm going to boost this rating, I'm going to build this guy, I'm going to do it. It's about one man saying, yeah, it's a good idea, pal. And saying go with it that week. Yeah. You fight yeah. a war every single week to get your one idea through. And then you go back to war next week and hope that your one idea gets through again to the one guy. 
there's no question that Pritchard knows how to play the game better sure. and it, he's easier for Vince to work with. Vince is going to run into resistance with Paul. Paul Heyman is a stubborn guy and he has his <laughs> ways. And occasionally and now look, he's a great politician too. Oh, and I'm sure, sure he has I'm sure he has his own ways of massaging Vince. But there's no question that Vince has a much easier time dealing with Pritchard, who, as you said, has been has known how to appeal to the audience of one for decades at this point. Now it's interesting because we got a little inside information. Uh, through uh, somebody in the room, okay? And the take from inside the company is a little different than the take that they're feeding to the newsletters and whatnot, and that it wasn't necessarily all ratings related, okay? So uh, some of the things that were talked about was, and, and tell me if this sounds like Paul Heyman. I was going to say, when, when, when you read this, that, that what Joe is going to talk about. It's exactly the same reaction that I had. I was like, well, yeah, we knew this stuff since 1989 about Paul Heyman. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But read it. No, I'll, I'll go. Cause I have a, I have a point uh, about this as well, but yeah, read it real, real quick and see. Yeah. Surprising takes on Paul Heyman here. Here's some of the issues outside of, of what you're hearing about ratings uh, being the cause um, issues with top talent. Well, obviously if he's pushing a bevy of new people, they've got to replace someone. So I could easily see some of the top talent having issues with Heyman because he's all about replacing the old and and, and getting in the new. Um, there were issues. A lot of the departments in the company had issues with him. Now, does that sound like Paul Heyman to you? Having trouble dealing with <laughs> yes. paper pushers and, well, the web division needs this and marketing needs this. That's not Paul. Paul Heyman wants to sit down with a napkin and write a wrestling show. So that totally makes sense. Uh, there were said to be, this one's interesting, and this just has Heyman written all over it. Uh, a, a lack of cohesion between Raw and SmackDown, meaning that, uh, and, and specifically noting that uh, Heyman would keep things secret from the other side, and uh, uh, almost like uh, Raw was in competition with SmackDown, as opposed to everybody... Uh, needing to be on the same page. Right. What do you make of that one? <laughs> I mean, again, 1989 Paul Heyman rally, rallying your troops against you know a, a foe that you've decided is is yeah that that's Paul Heyman to a T when he was at ECW was that WCW is trying to kill us and take us out of business when he was on SmackDown he was literally instructed to say hey fight Raw and act like you're fighting Raw and that's what he did so yeah that, again Paul Heyman to a T exactly what he would have done blowing off corporate response. God yes are you kidding of course. And then, uh, you know, continued issues with, uh, you know, top talent um, trying to get his ear. There were problems with top talent attempting to get his ear, too, which, again, I mean, you know, he still doesn't want to deal with that. He wants to uh, write his wrestling show and have a plan to build his stars. And you can totally see. I mean, that's all the stuff he's always been terrible with. Yeah. Oh, again, like I was going to say, since 1989, we've known. Paul Heyman is a guy that wrestlers, you know, undercard, lower card wrestlers love. The little engines that could, they love him because he's the he, he's the rallier. You know what I mean? He's he's the guy, and colleagues hate him, executives hate him, corporate suits hate him, and, and that's fine. That's always been Paul Heyman has always been a wrestlers producer, booker, whatever the hell you want to say. He has always been on their side. Usually, like you said, the 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 smaller guys, the little engines that could, the people that the land of misfit toys, like that has always been his mo. Corporate suits, 
you know, marketing managers, <laughs> stockholders, Stephanie McMahon, you know, chief branding yeah. officers, not so much. Yeah, that's never been exactly Paul Heyman's uh, forte is, is dealing with those sort of people. But wrestlers, he's – and I think there was an SI report, actually. I just saw it as we were starting this recording that um, – SI, I forget, I don't know who the author was, I'm sorry, uh, I, I clicked out of the article, uh, but they said they were able to uh, talk to about 10 people on the Raw roster, and they all said that they wish he had been around so they could at least still kind of bounce ideas off him, or he could critique their matches or talk about him, and, and again, that doesn't surprise me, I mean, those people, if you're a wrestler, you love Paul Heyman, because he is your dude, man, you know what I mean, like, he is going to well, fight well, to death for you. What's notable about that is... Though that's probably all the people he was pushing and was behind. Potentially, and they yeah, know, yeah. And they know that's bad news for them because Pritchard's going to come in and, and push the same old, same old again. And it, it, you know, and, and it was noted to us that he, that where he had trouble with talent was the top talent. And again, that's probably because he was flipping everything around and replacing them. So um, I, that doesn't surprise me at all. Those SI quotes because those, those are probably from that laundry list of, of talent that we ran off before that, that he had gotten behind. And a lot of those people, that was the first time the company ever got behind them. And, um, you know, it's, who knows what would have happened without COVID. I personally feel like, uh, raw was on a free fall that, that wasn't going to stop. I think there's just bigger problems than who's writing the show. Um, because ultimately I don't think whoever's writing the show will have enough influence to overcome, the big picture problems in the company. Right. And that's just a Vince thing. And until he changes his ways or dies, that's what's never going away. And in reality, it really doesn't matter who's working right underneath him because it's going to get filtered through him. And at best, you're going to get a filtered vision of what you want to do. Um, and, and, and what that company needs very badly, as we've discussed about ad nauseum, is a complete teardown. And restart of what they're doing. Yeah, I mean that's what they need, and that's not going to come when the guy is. How old is Vince? Seventy three or th- yeah, somewhere around there. He's definitely yeah, seventy three, seventy four. I want to say, but yeah, let me let me get the exact. Uh, yeah, date he's there. not seventy four. Yeah, so he's a, he's a guy going into his mid seventies. Seventy five in August. Seventy five in August, man. Wow, jeez. He's fucking old. I <laughs> Do mean, you know any seventy four year olds? Like imagine imagine knowing a seventy four year old. He's not changing. That seventy-four-year-old dude, you know, is not changing for shit. Oh, and yeah, he's he's he'll be knocking on the door of eighty soon. So, you know, you think he's going to dramatically change what what he? No, I mean, you're going to get a filtered version. So, um, look, if nothing else, you know, Raw was was different. I mean, I didn't love it. I'm not going to sit here and tell yeah, you. Raw stunk. Raw stunk. SmackDown stunk, but Raw stunk a little less. I'll say for sure. At least, at least he tried different shit, like. Garrett Kidney talks about this all the time, and you talk about it all the time, how it's the same half dozen guys who have been running pro wrestling for the last two decades, and Heyman's one of them. But here's the thing. At least you can say this about Heyman. He always has different and new ideas. He's not not trying to recreate ECW every time he takes a job, where some of these other guys just keep doing the same shit that stopped working 20 years ago. So if there's one thing you could say about the old guard that keeps getting these jobs is if I have to pick one of those guys, I'm picking him. Absolutely. No, and and, and I think Heyman has said as such as well that he never wants to and, – and, and we've talked about it in the show as well. Heyman is always worried about what's next. 
What's the next thing? And anytime you listen to him talk, anytime you listen to him talk about, you know, things that he wanted to do in other companies or whatnot. And again, like, it's always easier to say, hey, this is what I was going to do, you know, without actually doing it. But like, he never wants to go back to what he did before and just do that again. He's always said, okay, if I took over TNA, I wanted it to be, uh, you know, an MMA, you know, style promotion. That was, that was, that was the new ECW, the new. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I'm, I'm mixing the two up. Yeah, so the the ECW reboot was introduce it with the nostalgia because the nostalgia is going to get everybody in the door and then slowly turn it into uh, leaning towards realism and MMA because that's when MMA – that's when Ultimate Fighter was hot and UFC was on the come up and that was the hot new thing and he wanted to get ahead of that. So the idea was introduce it with the nostalgia and then bring in CM Punk who was doing that Muay Thai gimmick at the yeah, time. Yeah. Bring in uh, Kurt Angle who had they just moved to the brand and he had that great squash against the Brooklyn brawler in the Manhattan center. Remember that where he just headbutt him in the head yeah. and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, mouthpiece Kurt Ang- and uh, uh, Santino Morella, but not as a comedy guy. He wanted to call up Santino Morella cause he's got legitimate credentials and Kozlov I think was going to be one of the guys. So he wanted to lean ECW into the new MMA direction after the nostalgia predictably would run its course. Cause that's what happens. People get hot for the nostalgia, but then it's like, uh, you know, I, it, it, it's still fucking just incredible. It's still the Sandman. And, right. and you know, so it would – with TNA, his – the big idea that he the, – the one idea that came out was that his very first show, he was going to put the Young Bucks and the Motor City Machine Gun. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the ring, cold open, go for a half hour and do whatever you want. Just have the best match possible. Again, forward thinking. And then eventually, and I think what he told Dixie Carter was, I will retain maybe one he of said your one. Yeah, I, I remember the exact quote. I think it was, yeah, I will keep, uh, what, what was it? So, uh, simple formula. Uh, keep one solid veteran, and I'm going to grow the young, talented roster underneath him. Yeah. So, again, it's always been his MO, you know? And uh, I really believe if ECW would have survived beyond, you know, 2001, that it would have evolved into something similar to Ring of Honor. Sure. Because that oh, yeah. were that level of rest. And he had – and he, the was go- he was end- going there. He was already going there. You look at those last few ECW shows, and the ta- they're not like the guy – you know, they're not the guys that would be the Ring of Honor thing. But you watch those shows, and that's clear his idea is fast, good, in-ring, you know, work. Because he you had a, have, your, your Christian Yorks and those sort of guys. They weren't good. You know what I mean? They weren't, like, good enough. But he had the right idea. It was there. You could tell it was it was on the way there. He just didn't have the horses. And he right. had his eye on – He this is on record. He had his eye on Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels and Loki. CM and Punk. He said CM Punk in ECW. I, know, I, I think, you know, him and, and – there was also uh, uh, Bob Mould who, who, you know, was in WCW as a writer for a long time. And he said he had his eye on CM Punk as well. And him and Heyman were talking about it once before. And, and Heyman, even seeing this guy at 20 years old or 21 years old just doing shit indies in Chicago, knew that this guy was something. I mean, yeah, way ahead of his time for sure. Yeah, so that's the direction that would have went. And – um, you know, so he's always thinking forward and looking for what the next thing is. And the one thing he's very good at is attaching himself to young wrestlers who he knows are going to be big. He did it with punk. He attached himself to punk. He attached himself to Brock Lesnar. He attaches himself to Shayna Baszler. Uh, the word is he has attached himself to Adam Cole in the undisputed era. He is very savvy in terms of the talent that he attaches himself to, because if he becomes a vital, important part of those top stars act, or even as a confidant, then he is no longer expendable. And that's part of his brilliance. How can they get rid of him? If, if Brock, 
if, if you know, if Brock says, well, if Paul's gone, I'm never coming back. You know, it's like if, if he's attached to all of the top acts, either on screen or off, it makes him all the more or less expendable. So that's another thing. And, and he and he look, say what you want about him. You know, Raw did stink and he has a lot of flaws and he's he's just he's a he's a he's a conniver. We all know that. And he's a he's a he's a hustler. Heyman hustle. He even plays off of that. <laughs> right. But 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 the one thing about him is he is very very smart with identifying top line talent. Yeah, and he loves wrestling. I think that's the thing I've always really, really enjoyed about Paul Heyman is when it comes down to it, the dude just fucking loves pro wrestling. You know what I mean? And just he he loves projects. He loves the next big thing. He loves what's down the line, what's next, what can I do to innovate, what can I do that's different, and and that stuff. I mean, man, I'll always love that stuff. So he's always I, gonna have a place in my heart because I because I know that that dude just fucking loves pro wrestling. <laughs> And, and wants nothing more than a pro wrestling to be great and be awesome and entertaining to everybody. I would love to see him get an unfiltered shot at running a brand in that company, but it's never going to happen. Um, and it didn't happen here. So um, so he's out, but they've got to keep him on his talent. If they have any interest in keeping Brock around, you have to keep him around. Uh, you know, they, they really don't have a choice in the matter because I, I don't think Brock would would – perform without Heyman. Oh no, that's I mean that that's the guy who and, and you know w- without being backstage we don't know, but like Heyman's the, the the guy that you know gets Brock what he, you know what I mean like like Brock can get what he wants cuz he's Brock but I think he has Heyman be the, the mouthpiece of no this is what you know we we think Brock should do or this is what Brock's going to do. Brock shows up, cashes the check, does his thing, but yeah, Heyman's the one playing the you know playing the strings in between everything and and, and really deciding where that's going to go for sure. So no, I Heyman's, think Heyman's the one making sure Brock stays on top. Right, right. Exactly. Brock Brock will show up after Heyman is said okay here's what you're gonna do brock you're gonna go in there and you're gonna beat this guy in 20 minutes you know in 10 minutes all right good and bye, more thanks. importantly more importantly he's in brock's ear and he tells brock what not to do yeah, exactly yeah don't do that and, that's and, stupid <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's dumb, tell bro. them tell them you're not working with that guy tell them you're not losing to that guy because Heyman could always see three steps ahead you know and he knows who's a threat to those top spots and quite honestly if he is the manager of the top act he's part of the top act so it's self-preservation as well you know, Heyman gets a lot of shit, you know, uh, behind the scenes and on, on dark Twitter, people we talk to for being this manipulator and keeping Brock on top. But what you have to remember is he's part of that act. Yeah. Why would he not? Why would he not do everything in his power to keep himself on top? I mean, that that's his paycheck, too. You know, it's no different than Jim Cornette being part of the Midnight Express Act or any other manager, uh, on-screen manager and on-screen talent relationship uh, historically. You know, Bobby Heenan with Nick Bockwinkle. Bobby Heenan's getting main event money. Okay? Cornette gets paid with the Midnights get paid because he's a third member of that act. I'm talking good managers, not when they throw whoever, the coach John Tolos with somebody. That doesn't matter. I'm talking about big-time managers like that we're talking about, Hall of Fame-level managers who add something to an act. You know, he that you know Heyman's talent, and he's a top act too, so I understand why he manipulates behind the scenes. I can't kill him for that. You know, that's that's fucking wrestling, man. That's pro wrestling one on one. You got to you know, do that they, shit. They all do that. And sometimes it's dirty and sometimes it's sleazy. But, you know, it's it's everybody wants to stay on top. All the top guys hated him because they weren't on top anymore. <laughs> right. I mean, that's just the way it goes, you know, and now he's out and Pritchard's going to come in and he'll probably start pushing some of the older faces again. Yeah, just the idea of, of you know, and, and you mentioned that Garrett always talks about it, and I, I've been talking about it for years. It's just that the same names, the same faces, the same 15 people 
have been running wrestling. Hell, it's not even 15. You could put it 10 people have been running wrestling for two decades. And again, we're I right back to... I think 10 is high. I think yeah, 10 is high. Honestly, I mean, yeah. It's fucking... Yeah, we could count it in our heads, you know, in, in, in terms of stuff. And, and yeah, you get a few guys that pop up here and there. But now the next wave is just like guys that wrote for WWE in their mid-2000s. And even those guys are starting to get filtered through. Your, your Krista Josephs and your, you know, Court Bauer types and those sort of guys. And even Dave Ogano, you know, who, who's doing stuff in NWA is... is I don't want to really want to add him to that same list. But yeah, I mean, it... it, it it, it's there. I mean, he's been, you know, writing wrestling and, and, and being a big part of wrestling companies, whether it be Ring of Honor, Impact, you know, NWA, WWE for, for you know, two decades now at this point. He's, as those well, guys, so. that, those three guys you named are the next wave. They were the next wave of guys. You know, they're not the the Heyman, Pritchard, Russo generation. Right, right. But exactly. They're, but they're the ones that, that came after. And now, you know, they're doing things. Well, DeJoseph just got canned. Yeah, again. I was gonna say what well, we're doing things, um, <laughs> not necessarily anymore. But he but... was with Lucha Underground right. and all that, and and you know, obviously, MLW and NWA have have you know that next wave of guys in charge. But yeah, that 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 wave that we're talking about. I mean, they've been around since yeah, they were running wrestling companies in the nineties. These people, you know, whether it's Heyman or Pritchard or Russo, Vince, you know. So, um, you know, Scott Demore is another one who, you know, you want to put him on that he's second starting to, wave. Yeah, he's starting to get to that that, that second um, wave. How many <laughs> tenures has he right, had an right. impact? You know, Don Callis is a fresh voice. Um, you know, he he hadn't he just came into real power running a company with, with impact a few years ago. Right, he had disappeared for almost um, 15 years. I mean, nobody even knew what the hell was, the guy was doing. So, yeah. But, supposed he's been around for ages. Um, you know, obviously Triple H was there as a wrestler forever. Uh, you know, you can go um, uh, right down the line, the, the whole McMahon family. Um, I'm just trying to think. I guess, uh, you know, Delirious and 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 Marty Skrull, he's a fresh he's a fresh voice. Yeah. And we talked about that when they hired Marty Skrull, that, OK, this is a guy who um, is, a, is is totally thinking out in left field, a fresh voice. AEW, you know, they're all brand new, every one of them. You know, Tony Khan obviously is in charge and and. He's the head booker. He's the Vince. I mean, it, it all ultimately falls on him. Right. But every, but everybody in that room is new to leadership new and voices, writing wrestling sure. stories. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 some have worked out and some haven't. And it's hard to kind of decipher. But at the same time, we know the fingerprints of all those guys too. And and we know that they're driving their own stories at minimum. So uh, and and we we're kind of getting a feel for what Tony Khan brings to the table in terms of his booking style and his is booking rhythms and those things. And um, so, so to be fair, there are some new voices in the fold. There are sure it's it's a mix, but with WWE, really they're the problem in terms of not letting anyone new break through and always going back to Bischoff is another one we forgot about. Obviously, you know, and that they're the problem. They never let the fresh voice in. No. And look what happened the last time they did. Look how fresh and different NXT felt in its first four or five years when they had a new vision. Yeah, Ryan Ward and, and a few other guys, you know, sort and of Triple about the H, yeah, you know, Triple, like, yeah. It, like, but now, you know, I think Triple H has gotten long in the tooth down there. Oh, for sure. Like, well, and, and I think we can actually talk about that as well. You know, that was, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a different topic, but now that you bring the name up, I mean, this was at, at this time last year, and even, even Vin, you know, even in Dave wrote it in the, in the Observer there, is that the idea was, you know, Paul Levesque is doing this, this, and this, and that's a long-term player or whatever. I mean, over the last, God, not even, you don't have to go six months, over the last three months, the, cons- the reconsolidation of power towards Vince guys and the lack of consolidation of power by, you know, Paul and Triple H is, 
I mean, it, look at it, man. His main, you know, his handpicked producer, the, the producer, I forget the guy's name, but there was, you know, the, the, the yeah. spiritual successor to Kevin Dunn, fucking gone, launched. Uh, half of Triple H's, you know, little circle guys, furloughed, gone, by, you know, Triple H gets a, uh, a job change. It's, a, it's not a demotion. I just have way less duties now, but no, it's not a demotion. It's just a job change, you know, like that too. I mean, there's, it's clear Vince reconsolidating power. Okay. You guys have all had your little chance. I'm going back to what I believe, what I want, and I'm bringing my guy back and it's, 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 it's him and it's Bruce Pritchard. So fucking bring Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe back and we, we're back to 1997, baby. You know what I mean? It's back to the same thing. It, it's, it's again, same. he's 74. You know, you go to your comfort zone. You go to your, your, yeah. your, your you know, he's probably, you go to your chair. You know, old people have chairs. They sit in the same fucking chair every day. That's their chair. Vince, you know, he's go back to his chair. He wants his, he wants Kevin Dunn. He wants Bruce Pritchard. And he wants the, the, the familiar voices to talk to. He doesn't want new, different things, new, different people. He, it, back to the old, you know, for the most part. You know what's sad, though, is he has people under his employ. He can bring Adam Pierce, yep. Sanjay Dutt, and Gabe Sapolsky, and just fucking whoever and whoever else into a room and interview them and and pick two of those guys to run Raw and SmackDown for fresh vision and fresh. Fr- I mean, you could do that with people that you that already work for you. You don't even have to go outside and find people. They're right there under your nose, you know, and it's like they're younger. They have more energy. They're going to have different ideas, but they watch other wrestling. They know about other wrestling. That's the thing about Bruce is like, I mean, let's be honest. What what the hell does Bruce know about? No, he, exactly. No he, you know, he watches old Attitude Era bullshit with Conrad, and, and, and he has he didn't watch shit when he was going. I mean, yeah. he, he whenever pressed uh, about MLW or Impact when he was bouncing over there, he didn't know anything. He didn't follow anything. He's no better than Bischoff in that sense. No, I no, I completely agree. He doesn't know and Japan. He doesn't know the Indies. He doesn't know Europe. He doesn't know Australia. You think he knows anything about fucking Australian wrestling? The next big thing in Australian wrestling. Do you think he knows what Progress did? And the stories that they, he doesn't know anything about any of that. Nothing. He knows, nothing. He, he knows what appeals to Vince. Yeah, bring, bring like you said, bring Jim Smallman, Gabe Sapolsky, Sanjay Dutt, and Adam Pierce there and say, all right, guys, here you go. Here's Raw. You know, four brand right. new voices. They can all say, hey, well, well I, in progress, I did this and it got over. Okay, yeah, well, in Evolve, I did this. Or, oh, yeah, in, in Impact, we did this. Or, hey, in Ring of Honor, we did. No, it's it's a guy who knows Attitude Era bullshit and, and 90s WWF because that's where he's been. And that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about the progress guys that work for them now, too. And it's like, these are people with their fingers on the pulse. And these are people who came up with the current generation of stars because they wrestled them in some cases. They wrestled them in some Adam Pierce and Sanjay Dutt are intimately familiar with who got over on the indies, who can go, who can't go, what people are good at, what people aren't good at. Both of them have worked behind the scenes in multiple companies. Adam Pierce booked Ring of Honor. Sanjay Dutt worked for Impact for years. And we're just throwing names out there. Yeah, I don't I'm know not even saying. I'm, we just picked four names off the top of our head. I mean, there, there's a bunch of other dudes there that, that all have really good skills. And yeah. And it's like, I don't know if they'd be good or bad at the job. But the point is, no one does. I mean, interview them, see what kind of ideas they have. And that would be something fresh. Those would be new voices. And you see, I mean, Adam Pierce. You know, I mean, he does what he can with 205 Live, but what can you really do with that show? It's 25 minutes a week. They took the fucking title off of the show. I mean, what can you do? I mean, there's only so much you can do with a show like that. But uh, it's never going to happen. It's, it's again, until this man, uh, you know, passes away, the big picture 
things are never going to change and you're never going to see these new voices. And, and Triple H was the hope because he was building a team. But like you said, a lot of that team has been splintered off, furloughed, fired um, himself. He, he took the motion himself. So <laughs> no, uh, it's a job change, Joe. It's a job change where I do nothing with management anymore. It's totally different. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. focusing more on the uh, – uh, the production of the show and not the management of the show, but that's not a that's not a demotion, right? If you, uh, you if know, you stop being a manager and started going back and, and working in the restaurant, that's not a demotion, Joe. You just you know want to focus more on the the you know what's going on inside of the restaurant. So. Yeah, I mean you know so it's uh what 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 can you say? Yeah. I mean Bruce Pritchard. Yeah, I wouldn't let Bruce Pritchard run my wrestling show. I, I, if I'm starting a company, he wouldn't be anywhere near it. I mean, I, you know, I, there's nothing fresh or innovative or, or good. I mean, his ideas are all old and stale and he doesn't have his finger on the pulse. I, I, I listen to his podcast. He just, he's, he's basically, he's a bullshitter too. And he's a hustler, but he never had, and does not have the vision that Paul Heyman had. So you have all of the negatives, but none of the positives with Bruce Pritchard because he's completely full of shit. I mean, you know, that's it's very obvious. But um you know, it, it ultimately though as I said at the top it really does not matter no. because Vince is going to filter all of it and um Vince has just lost the plot. He has lost the plot. He he does not know what it takes to make stars anymore. Um we talked about it behind the paywall briefly. He you know, even people close to him are like Vince is making decisions that none of us understand and just don't even make sense from a Vince point of view. Like he just doesn't, he's just, you know, it's just bad. Right. He used so, to have a little bit of a playbook, but now people are kind of saying that like, you have no clue. You walk into the room and it could be it literally change on a dime, change on a minute. Yeah. It, there's, there's no predicting it anymore. And, and it shows through in the television. I mean, there's no cohesion, nothing. Yeah. No, it's just the star building is the worst part. I mean, um, and that's a company-wide thing. I mean, that's, I think, one of the bad habits that they've picked up in NXT. I mean, you've got Damian Priest going on TV this week saying he doesn't care that he how lost How ridiculous is that? How fucking ridiculous is that? It, and, and talking about how it was all about the moment. And how he's gonna... <laughs> I saw that. I could, I, could, I could feel your blood boiling. It got, it, it got hot you know, in my living room as I was watching that, knowing how much your blood was boiling with Damian Priest being like, it's cool, bro. I made a moment. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be immortal now. I'm going to live forever because I'm going to live forever because I lost to Finn Balor. Like he was honored <laughs> to lose. Now, Finn Balor's a nice little wrestler and he's a decent little star. Uh, it's not okay? Masawa, you know, <laughs> you didn't lose to Masawa there, Chief. You didn't lose to Kobachi. Yeah, I mean, come on. You didn't lose to The Rock. <laughs> right. Okay, let's reel it in a little. And it was a little mid-card match on a fanless takeover. It wasn't this enormous moment that they're making it out to be. But it's like, you know, that's it trickles all the way down to NXT in that regard. I mean, who can forget when Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock went on Raw and talked about how they didn't care that they lost and they were just proud to have a right. moment. Titles come and go. But you know, the famous Roman Reigns line after he got screwed out of the title. Look, titles come and go. But it's like, yeah. oh, God. Because you know what? They do now. Yeah. And, right. that's why, and that's why none of these people can break through as true top guys, because you're presenting them in a way where, uh, look, when you have road dogs screaming at people on Twitter, that wins and losses don't matter. What do you think they're saying in the room? It's the same message. They've decided that that stuff doesn't matter. And it's just about creating star aura. The problem is that is a proven failure. Now 
It, it isn't working. This moment shit is not working. You know what a great moment is? Two guys who hate each other in a compelling fight, and one wins and moves on and gets over. That's that's a moment. Not, oh, it was my, uh, looking into the distance saying how proud you were to lose to Finn Balor because you created a moment. That wasn't even like some super memorable match. I mean, they're doing this down card now. They're not even just doing it at the top. So it's just a huge systematic problem in the company. It's not about these individual writers for the shows. It's the top guy. But we all know that. Uh, let's talk about another little thing here with uh, with WWE and, and, and kind of the backstage here. Uh, also from the Wrestling Observer this week, we've, we heard some rumblings about this earlier in the week uh, as well. It says, quote, there has been a lot of talk in recent weeks regarding the future of Evolve and WWE. It's not a secret. Evolve has had major financial issues, and the canceling of WrestleMania week was catastrophic to them. They've been quiet, having not said anything. The reports of them selling their tape library and pretty much everything to WWE, but when asked, neither Evolve nor WWE would confirm or deny the story. So, Joe, what have we been hearing about this rumor, and, and, and do we know anything else that maybe Dave hasn't said so far, hasn't reported thus far? But as far as he knows, um, rumblings that they have sold to WWE, but nothing has been confirmed uh, yet, nor as at the time of this recording either. If it's neither confirmed or denied by either side, then it's true. Then there's smoke to the fire. Um, and they're just not talking about it for whatever reason. The two theories I've seen, there's multiple theories going around. Number one, that uh, WrestleMania weekend uh, completely wiped them out, uh, losing WrestleMania weekend, and was a huge financial blow. And uh, and that uh, and that WWN actually went bankrupt, and that WWE isn't purchasing the company per se, but rather purchasing the assets. That's the one theory I've heard, which would be slightly different than writing Gabe Sapolsky and Sal uh, a check. Okay, the other theory I've heard is that uh, they were under a similar deal as progress and WXW in that WWE had the right to swoop in at any time and purchase the company for X amount of dollars for an unknown amount of money. And that WWE is exercising that clause. Now that's the other, but these are just theories and none of them are confirmed, but um, these are both theories I've heard from people inside wrestling. So there's a lot of different speculation going around, but it, it definitely looks like, there's at least some smoke to the fire. Now, the other thing is they haven't refunded everybody from WrestleMania weekend yet. Okay. From what I understand, some people have been refunded and I'm talking about ticket buyers and others have not. And if they have declared bankruptcy, chances are those people aren't getting their money and that's dirty as fuck. Okay. You need to give the, how many possible tickets was it? I mean, geez, you got to go into a little bit of a debt to do it. You got to do it. You took their money. You got to give it back. So um, if that's the case, and I don't know that it is. If they're going bankrupt and thereby skirting the money that they owe to people, who people who bought tickets for Tampa, that is some bullshit. That is some carny ass, dirty business, and I that's inexcusable. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. You take out a loan, you do what you got to do. You had the money at some point. What'd you do with it? Okay, you got to give that money back to people. Okay, so we'll see as we move along if that part of it's true. But it seems like. Something's happening here, and no matter which path it takes to get there, this may ultimately end up with WWE owning all the names, trademarks, and assets of Evolve Wrestling. I don't know what that would mean for the Evolve's contracted talent. Uh, Josh Briggs, Kurt Stallion. Um, I know there's more. I just can't yeah, Brandy, think of Brandy Lauren, I believe, was under. 
uh, maybe Ar Fox. Right. I mean, oh, 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 uh, for sure, Leon Ruff mm-hmm. and the Skull uh, but, guys. But, yeah, a lot of the Skull guys, I think. But the Skull guys are getting WWE bookings. They'll be fine. They'll land yeah. on their feet because I think they'll end up in NXT. I mean, they're basically there anyway. They 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 wrestle NXT basically every week. I think they're wrestling SmackDown as we speak against, uh, or, or maybe not. I I was flipping channels, but um, uh, or uh, let me take a look. I guess it's not all that important. But um, no, this is are the skull guys on SmackDown isn't very important. So. You got it on or no? No, I got no. Are you kidding? Get out of here. I don't, have a, I don't have a TV anywhere near me anyway. So I can't reach my remote now. Um, it's on now, right? Yeah, I can't. Yes. Yeah. I can't reach my remote. I either saw it when I was flipping <laughs> it through. Yeah, it's just say yes. And nobody will care. <laughs> or on Twitter or something like that. Anyway, the point here is the skull guys will be fine. But I don't know what will happen to the contracted talent. Um, but, you know, obviously those trademarks and the tape library and all that is valuable. I mean, it's very valuable. I mean, the, the tape library is incredible. Um, you know, that's just uh, in terms of content that they could put on the network in terms of uh, footage for uh, documentaries. Um, you know, th- there's a million wrestlers in that company right now that came through evolve. And, you know, it's not like you didn't have access to the footage with your, sort of association with WWN, but now just owning it makes everything easier. Um, So at the end of the day, if, if evolve is no longer going to exist, and that would also include all of WWN, by the way, uh, shine and FIP as well, then my hope is that all of that stuff ends up on the network in a nice convenient place that I'm paying for. already. Yeah. Um, I think of the task that it would take to convert that shit, the music, the, I, I know WWE has has always said that they wanted to add stuff to the network and add you know added value and this sort of promotions and all this sort of stuff. I don't know if they can put Shine or like Evolve to you know like old Evolve shows and stuff. That quality is pretty terrible. I mean, I love I love Evolve. I love DGUSA. I, I love all that shit. But man, that quality is tough. I, I it's horrible. But the thing is, some of that old territory stuff they have up isn't so great either. It's not. I mean, yeah, honestly, I, I I feel like the value is. Not necessarily adding it to the network. I, I would love that. I mean, for the record, it'd be fucking tremendous to have all this shit on the network. To me, I don't know if this is doing Gabe a solid. I don't I don't know the, the background of that. To me, it, it feels like let's just buy this shit so we can have documentary fodder for our Johnny Gargano documentary or our Drew McIntyre documentary. So we can cut to a, a shot of him in Evolve where we say, you know, where Drew talks about having to reinvent himself after, you know, his lowest moment in his life. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I have visions of less so than... I mean, I again, I would love it. I just that's it's tricky. I, the the task of going through and and scrubbing the music and and getting it to a point that you want. I don't know if it's really worth it for Evolve. Maybe I mean again, fine with me. It'd be cool with me, but I I just have a tough time believing that they're they're going to invest you know the capital to to do that. I'm going through 1993 ECW right now for November to remember. $5 tier, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. There's a new November coming out in the next uh, 24 hours, by the way. Super Summer Sizzler, 93. One of the worst shows you'll ever see. Um, a lot is, this, of is this where we get the review, uh, the, the, the reveal of uh, Dark Patriot 2? We get the reveal of Dark yes. Patriot 2. And, and you I getting believe... no sold by... Are you going to bury that guy? I believe I have figured out who it is. Okay, did what you, you bury the fuck my, out of what him? Do you think, what do you think of my theory? I'd love it. It's perfect, yeah. I think it's him. You've done a great job. Um, and, and, and the... 
the no cell cell by a guy. I mean, I, I you have to bury this guy for fucking kayfabe. Okay. Make the- him pay, Rich. Make him pay. I I talk about it on the show. I already recorded it. So uh, yes, uh, I will discuss the man. Yes, and um, I did I'm protecting him. kayfabe for a twenty year old gimmick that nobody remembers and nobody cares. About. A twenty seven year old. Twenty seven year old. One oh, yeah, off three. Where am I? A 27-year-old one-off gimmick that he did once, and he's protecting kayfabe. But it's fine. I talk about it behind the pit. Good. Fuck that guy. And fuck that guy in general anyway, so that's fine. Also on this episode of Jovember, we have the uh, Eddie Gilbert tease of where I told you he he made another sleazy maneuver on a lady. Yeah. Remember, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I teased that on the UWF deep dive that we did. That's revealed on this one. And then I talk about the Angel Amoroso controversies as well. This is a very scandalous edition of November to Remember. Yeah, Everybody juicy. will learn a nice little something. Juicy. A lot of juice. A lot of dirt. If you like the dirt, it's a great episode. But my point here is, after the plug, nothing could be worse quality-wise than those old ECW tapes. Yeah. And they had to scrub all the music off of that shit, too, for the entire history of the company. So it's just a matter of putting in the effort. They're, they've shown that they'll put in that kind of effort. Yeah, but but they've also shown that they're starting to – ease up on their effort that they wanted the WWE network as well. True. Because yes. Yeah. They're not investing as much in the network. That's a, that's a good point. Um, but I think if they can scrub the ECW footage, which is arguably worse than the evolve footage somehow, sure. the early stuff is, I mean, that 93 stuff is horrendous. Then I don't see why they couldn't do it for this. It, look, I would look, that is great. For, the Dragon Gate USA and evolve libraries are fucking great. I mean, there's periods where it stinks, but there's periods where it's incredible. 2016 Evolve. Yeah. Wrestling almost doesn't get any better than that. Um, the early Dragon Gate USA, which the Open the Voice Gate guys are going through right now. Everyone should go listen to those shows. That's incredible stuff. Oh, I've been you watching along watch- with them too. And yeah, those shows, like I remember watching them in real time and being blown away. They still hold up today. They still exist. Some of the matches are like. I remember watching them in real time, you know, as they were going on. I watch them again, and I'm just like, dude, they're even better than I remember. Like, this fucking Brian Danielson versus Shingo. Are you fucking kidding me? It's incredible. It's so good. Davey Richards yeah, I- being a dumb jock, you know, fucking thrown everywhere. Oh, my God. It's great. Yeah, it's incredible stuff. And the dying days of Dragon Gate USA weren't good. And the dying days of the Evolve era, like post-Gargano, post-Swan, post-Ricochet, before they completely transitioned to grapple fuck. That wasn't good. Right. There's periods where, where, where you know, DGUSA slash Evolve is not good. But the period, like right now, I mean, it's it. People beat it up too much. It's actually the shows are actually decent. But I get why people aren't into them. But there's periods where it's not that good. But the periods where it's good, it's like really fucking great. And I would love for them if if this is a thing to put all that in a nice convenient place and I'm already paying 10 bucks a month for it that would be right, fantastic exactly. and, and, and and they did stream an evolve show once as they well did. and that and that wasn't yes. really good quality either so again like I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here I, if, if if you told me tomorrow every evolve and every WWN property is on the network I'm fucking jumping for joy and going and watching that shit right away you know what I mean? I, we're starting a brand new fucking series on the Patreon where I'm watching, you know, Evolve main events or DGUSA main events. Like, I would fucking love that. But, you know, I, I don't know. I hope. I hope. But yeah, I, 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 I hope, too. I mean, I feel like if you can scrub Metallica from every eight minute Sandman entrance. Right. Then you can scrub Lionel Richie from from uh, from <laughs> Rich Swamp. Yeah, right. Right. right? I mean, I, I feel like you can do that because it's not even nearly as pronounced. 
in Evolve. I mean, the music was such a huge part of ECW. And I mean, New Jack matches, the music played the during the match. That's right. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, how great were those New Jack matches? Oh, my God. Like, I, I mean, I was there, but I mean, you were following the company at that time, right? Where, yeah, it was insane. Like, like, like that was the fr- I remember the, the first ECW show I ever watched. I, I, God only knows what show it was. I have no idea. And I had to find it on like my parents had like a UHF, like an old TV up in their attic. And they had like a UHF signal thing on it. Um, and, and I remember one time finding this like channel, it was like in Gary, Indiana or something like that. And it's wrestling. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, what the fuck? And I, like the first guy that I saw was new Jack. And I was just like, yep, I need to watch more of this. It's just, you know, fucking, you know, natural born killers blaring through the speakers as this guy is just hitting people with fucking shovels and, and, and garbage cans. And it's like nothing you've ever seen before. It was incredible. While the crowd's just going fucking ape shit the entire time. It's, oh, it's great. Probably the eliminators. It's probably Cronus getting hit in the head with a garbage can. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I forget what era it was. I forget if it, it was probably like ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere in that range. So yeah, maybe maybe it was the Eliminators. But you would have been a little later because you would have been a little too young for like ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even know it existed at that point. So this may not even have been the Gangsters. This might have been like New Jack. It might have been just New Jack. Actually, you know what? I honestly remember one of my first memories of ECW was when New Jack came out and beat the fuck out of Mustafa. And Joey Styles was screaming about how these guys used to be best friends and now they hate each other and stuff. Or I forget what, what era that was, but uh, yeah, there, there was a mini feud between those dudes too, right? I don't I think remember. It, was 90, that. it might have been 98 or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Either way, New Jack rules. So, yeah. You know who I've been running into a lot on the network watching old WCW Saturday nights is Mustafa Saeed as a jobber. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a brick shithouse, man. You can see why he got a lot of chances. Yeah. He wasn't good, but goddamn, he looked the part. He wasn't good, but he was the perfect compliment to New Jack because New Jack would cut these incredible promos, and Mustafa would just stand behind him with those eyes. Yeah, he just was so flex the entire time too, and you're like, "Fuck, that dude's gonna kill somebody." He had such an expressive face. He'd make these, he, these, he, like his eyes. Yeah, and his he'd, mouth. he'd bend his head a little bit too, and. Yeah, and he'd make these scary noises. Like he just made noises, right? You know the Mustafa noise, and like it would compliment. The, the New Jack promos perfectly. Well, you could buy you know? that this New Jack guy who, who was who was very boisterous, very charismatic, would tell this giant human being, go kill that guy for me. And that giant guy would kill that guy for him. Yeah. And that's kind of what it was. You know what I mean? He's like, hey, we're going to kill these motherfuckers. And Mustafa's like, all right, cool, let's do it. And then they'd fucking go and kill some motherfuckers. So, Yeah, what a great act that was. I mean, I know in Smoky Mountain, the narrative has kind of changed to where, yeah. okay, no, to the idea being that they didn't really draw money. Right. Like it was a good idea on paper, but um, it didn't really work in the way that Cornette intended in terms of business. But, you know, it was it's still, you know, putting that aside, if you don't care about that. I mean, it's even more shocking in Smoky Mountain doing that act and turning it up to 11 in front of all those southern racists to begin with. You know, in you come up north, it's you don't really get quite the same effect. Uh, and they fit in better in ECW, and New Jack became a much bigger star in ECW. But anywhere you saw the gangsters, anywhere you saw New Jack, I mean, it's just he had a believability and an aura that very few, when you're talking about a dangerous aura that you can buy into, I mean, who who better than New Jack? I mean, but I don't know. We drifted way off path. But as far as um, Evolve goes – I mean, if this is it for them, I think they leave a tremendous legacy. 
You know, it, it's 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 say what you want about Gabe Sapolsky personally, and a lot of people don't have things good things to say about him personally, and those are their issues, and in some cases, I'm sure they're very valid. Um, you know, uh, we've had a decent relationship with him. He gets mad at us sometimes, but for the most part, um, he's cordial and friendly, and I can't say yeah. he's ever done us wrong, but he doesn't book us. Okay. He doesn't do business with us. Yeah. He so doesn't have to pay us at the end of the day. So, right. So, I mean, it's a different relationship that a podcaster or someone in, uh, whatever the wrestling, uh, I don't want it. I never, I don't like the word. I'm not a journalist. What's our space wrestling media? Right? I don't know. Wrestling, wrestling media yeah, space yeah. would have with him as opposed to people he does business with. So I get it, but putting that aside and you have to, to be fair, Evolve slash Dragon Gate USA slash WWN, if it is over, leaves behind a tremendous legacy, and it's one of the most important independent promotions of all time. I mean, it's in the pantheon, whether original Ring of Honor, Evolve, PWG, who else? You want to throw Chikara in there? Be my guest. I wouldn't personally, but they'd be – if you want to put them in, I'm not going to argue with you. Um, Who else would be in that pantheon tier of – influential indies on a on on the top level of independent wrestling and this isn't to besmirch any smaller companies that do a great job locally and have been some so there's been indies that have been operating for decades and you just never hear about them or they're on a smaller scale but in terms of greater influence in the wrestling business you know to me those promotions are Absolutely. a pantheon yeah for sure um yeah, I mean, there's maybe you know, like your you know, I, IWA Mid Souths or whatever in the early 2000s or whatnot. But all these were kind of like you know, fly, it evolves legacy and, and and evolve really. And when we say evolves legacy, I, I kind of combine DGUSA into the same thing. I don't know for right or for wrong, but that's because it is kind of the spiritual it's successor. The same company. Yeah, it's, it's the same it's, company. They ran concurrently for a while, but it's the same. And then they the molded, yeah. Then they molded into one, and, and they shared talent on the same. You know, yeah. It's just Evolve was DGUSA without the DG, the DG guys in it for for the most part until Evolve kind of became its own thing. But no, I'd, I'd say those Chikara, PWG, Ring of Honor, those those are your 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 pantheon. You can make an argument for IWA Mid South, I guess. I mean, it didn't last long. They they were hugely influential for a while in terms of uh, booking the hot talent at the yeah. time and giving them the 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 place to have great matches. And, but you know, you could even throw CZW in there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh no. God, man. In the early two thousand CZW for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. They occupied that space and they gave a lot of future stars, uh, their start and all that, but I wouldn't put either of those promotions on the level of the other three or even, I don't know. Chikara is a tricky one because they're kind of like Chikara to me in a lot of ways is like the dragon gate of America where they're just in their own lane. And it's hard for me to even, do you understand where I'm coming oh, I from? I do, with yeah. Because, compar- like, you go if you ever go back and look at old Chikara shows, you're like, "Holy fuck!" Like, my god, they were like loaded with talent and stuff, but they never ever felt like that company. You know what I mean? Like, they never felt like the company in the Indies. Chikara, Chikara wrestlers would go elsewhere to break through, like, they, and sometimes they would change gimmicks along the way to do so. So it's like I'm talking about your top line Indies, which were churning out stars. And that, to me, is Ring of Honor before they became a ma- – because they're a major league promotion now. But original Ring of Honor, when Gabe was there, um, Evolve, PWG. To me, those are the three. I mean, you can make arguments for the others, but those are the stepping stone promotions that launched people into stardom. To me. Um, you know, it, it's 
and some of the others we named, I get, but Chikara is a weird one because Chikara never really did that. Like you had to get out of Chikara first and then go to one of those places I just named and then you you would be launched. Right. You didn't. No one launches straight from Chikara doing a hermit crab gimmick. It just doesn't happen or as a fucking ant. Okay, you have to break out of that shit and stop being a cartoon character and do it somewhere else in one of the places I just named. But there were other places like CZW for a period without question. IWA Mid-South in the early 2000s without question. Um, and there's probably some others we're forgetting and people will get mad at us like they always do. But it's, it's not on purpose. I just, you know, this wasn't on the run sheet, uh, you know, to go over the most influential indies of all time. But I think uh, regardless, I'd put um, Evolve right there in the Pantheon because you look at the, the stars that they've churned out, uh, whether homegrown or whether taking guys that were starting to break through elsewhere and getting them to the next level. Uh, the list is enormous. And you look at the rosters of WWE and AEW today and particularly WWE. And it's just loaded with guys who either did their most memorable work in evolve, uh, broke through as stars in evolve or, uh, you know, um, um, really made their name, uh, working for evolve. So, right. um, you know, and it's whether it's, you know, Johnny Gargano, Matt Riddle, Darby Allen, uh, those to me are just no brainers. You can't argue against it. It, you know, Evolve was their launching pads. Um, and there's others. I mean, um, uh, Apollo Crews, without question, I would label him an Evolve guy. Yeah, I, I actually have a, a pretty extensive list. Do you want do you want do you want to give me yay or nay on, on these guys? If I mentioned some dudes to you. Okay, yay or nay on whether Evolve is largely responsible for them breaking through? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So Yeah, that's that's yeah, yeah, that sounds okay, let's do that. Okay, so Johnny Gargano, absolutely yes, right. Absolutely. These are guys are like, these are these are for the record, these are guys that are in major companies now. So like an AR Fox, obviously, but he's not I wouldn't consider him in a major company right now. So but I'm not he's including definitely Fox, a guy. But absolutely, but absolutely a guy, yeah. He's definitely a guy for whatever career he has, and he owes it to Evolve. I mean, there's no question. But sure. Gargano is the poster boy. He is the face of the promotion. Yeah, he would be showed on up, there. showed up on on a, on a fray on the first show of of you yep. know, DGUSA, and ended up being one of the biggest stars in that entire you know brand, and right. and and you know now one of the biggest stars of NXT. So easy, yes. Uh, Drew Gulak's an interesting one, but I think I, I don't know. The Evolve stuff was pretty important in him getting to that next stage. I got to say, he is not in WWE today without going to Evolve first. He's not. Yeah. yeah. Now, he may not have done his best work in Evolve. I would argue that he probably did. I didn't really have to think about it. But you think he's there today without stopping off in Evolve first? God, That's no. a No, it was it's the finishing long... school. It's the finishing yes. school for a lot of these guys. And we talked about it for years and years and years. And there's people arguing with you on, on Twitter about it because it's been fun to dump on Gabe. And it's fun to dump on Evolve the last few years. But say whatever you want about PWG. Say whatever you want about this. But, like... It was, and we have been talking about it as long as this podcast existed, is that once Gabe says, yeah, this guy's good, or, or gives him a stamp of approval, or books him, that always, almost always resulted in that guy getting looks from other people. That guy getting looks from WWE. That guy getting looks from Impact. That guy getting... It, the Gabe stamp of approval means a lot. <laughs> it, it has always and meant for, a lot, and it will continue to mean a lot. And for many years, when PWG would only use talent that was that other people had already gotten over... That stamp of approval from Gabe and getting over in Gabe's promotions is what got you onto PWG. And obviously PWG is is in a very similar position to Evolve in that it launched many it helped launch many 
television careers. Right, and people get hung up on, you know, William Regal's at PWG shows and he's signing guys from PWG, but like you said, a lot of those guys don't make PWG until they get a, a few shows under under the Evolve or DGUSA belt. And go through go through a lot of these guys I'm going to mention. There's a lot of guys that I know that people are going to say, oh, PWG, go look. Go look who booked them first. Go look who booked them five times before PWG booked them. And I I don't even want to make it PWG No, 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 not at all. But Because PWG is obviously right there with them in sure. terms of of churning out top, but there was unquestionably a, the peak, the peak PWG years was an all-star show. How do you think they became all-stars working for people like Gabe, primarily Gabe, but other places too. But Gabe is the one that made these stars so they can go work the all-star show and be seen by William Regal. Now, early PWG, they had to make their own stars and they did. You can go through the whole list of those guys, you know, and, Current PWG, because of the nature of the business right now, they have to make their own stars and take chances on Australians and, and luchadors and, and, and more obscure indie wrestlers. That's, but at their peak, when the scene was loaded, PWG sat back, put their feet on the table, let everybody else make stars, and then ran all-star shows. Right. And people got made fun of it. I, this revisionist history is pretty funny where people are like, no, it's, it's PWG. And I'm like, no, go back in 2016. Listen to our shows where, where people are like, oh, PWG doesn't book anybody from the South California Indies. And it's like, fuck you. Why bother? We're going to book Drew Galloway, Zack Sabre Jr., Ricochet, and Rich Swan because we want to because they're good. Like, the, the, the big critique on PWG was that they weren't booking new talent and right, making stars. That they weren't making their own stars. They were just using other yes. people's stars. Right? That was the big critique. But now today, everyone's doing revisionist history. Yeah, the PWG was- went, ah, you know what? <sighs> Zack Sabre Jr. Let's try this kid out and see what he's got. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like they were making stars that whole time. They were just using yeah, the stars. Ah, Matt Riddle. Huh, this will be interesting. Let's see what this guy can do from UFC. No, get out of here. I couldn't believe some of the stuff I was seeing. I know. Today, what are you talking about? It's, yeah. Go listen to an old show. Go listen to us talk about a bola lineup from a few years ago. You'll see. Very different. I mean, and I'm not criticizing PWG. I loved it. It was great. I would do the same fucking thing we always said. That'd be the yes. best thing in the world to say, yeah, I don't know. Fucking call Gargano, Riddle, Thatcher, uh, fucking Swan, Ricochet, Galloway, and Zach, and let's go. Let's do this thing. Yeah, bring Chuck too. Who cares? Yeah, bring the Bucks. Perfect. There we go. Booked. The big, thing, the, the big thing with PWG for years was is so-and-so ready for PWG? Is he a big enough star to go to PWG yet? Because it was an all-star show. They weren't making stars in PWG during their peak. Stop it. I know. But anyway, <laughs> again, I don't want to downplay their significance. Right, right, right. No, no. They were important in the, in, in, in the life cycle uh, as well for a lot of these guys. You, you, you said it right. Gabe's promotions were always the finishing school. If you're at the top of your class in the indies, you, you want to work for Gabe. And Gabe would would find the top of the class guys for his finishing school. PWG was the showcase. Yeah. That was the showcase. Right. Now you're ready for the all-star game. You, you've done the travel yes. teams. You've done AAU or whatever. Okay, now you're ready for the you know, showcase, the MLB showcase, the NBA draft combine or whatever. And that's what PWG was. And then you worked for PWG for the discount, by the way. Gabe wasn't the only <laughs> Right. I, I love that, too, where it's like, <laughs> like, like PWG was writing these giant fucking checks to all these dudes. Now, look, you're going to make it in T-shirts. But they knew that, and they knew that, you know, the the incre- the showcase they're providing you yes. with William Regal peeking through the curtain and all the T-shirts you're going to sell to the drunk fans in intermission is going to make it up. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, but again, it's not an us versus – I think they, it, they occupied similar but different roles. Yes. 
is is what I'm trying to get at. But yeah, if you didn't live through that time, and there, there are a lot of recent fans that maybe didn't live through that life cycle or, or know what it was, but yeah, they, they, these these they were very symbiotic. That relationship between Evolve, Gabe, and, and PWG in a good way, and and resulted in a lot of guys having you know their their career highs. But yeah, let, let's go over the list here uh, real quick. Matt Riddle, I mean, that's a fucking no it's question. A no brainer. Eh? He's yeah. an evolve, totally an evolve guy. Right. Austin Theory. Are oh, go, sorry. Go ahead. And, yeah. and, and when we do this, people, are, well, he worked in AIW and he worked in Beyond, <laughs> right. but you these guys and that's great and that it helps build at the grassroots level and i'm not putting those places down but you you do not break through typically in places like that over the last decade you break through when you go to work for gabe and it doesn't mean that he found all of these diamonds in the rough either or created stars from the ground up he created a couple found a few and maybe he did pluck some of these guys who were getting over on the grassroots level but you take that final step you get over as a star working for Gabe, and you know Matt Riddle is a—he's a no-brainer like Gargano. Right, and talk to talk to indie guys of that era too. We we did it plenty of times. I mean, they they know. Oh my god, they, they would say it. They would say, "Hey, you know, I, I got booked for Gabe this weekend," and and they would say, "Yeah, you know, that's the next step." Or I know, yeah, I know that that's what they know. They knew that's why they that's why a lot of them worked for discounts, like you said. Yeah, and it really doesn't have anything to do, like I said, what you think of him personally or what you think of his booking. It doesn't matter. He said, oh, well, he didn't book Darby well. Darby is a star because of Evolve. <laughs> right. It does not matter how bad you think he booked him. It's, it's irrelevant, actually. It's, it, it's completely irrelevant. Because at the end of the day, he didn't book him poorly because he wouldn't have gotten over. Right. But it, anyway, it, it we, ultimately didn't work out. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. yeah, it fell apart at the end. But anyway, you can knock Darby off the list because... To me, Darby, Gargano, and Riddle are just such no-brainers that I can't entertain an, an argument against it. Right. Uh, Austin Theory, again, not even oh, a question, one, of yeah. course. Yeah. And that's one that was built from the ground up. Uh, Timothy Thatcher is an interesting one because I think there is there's, there, there's a case to be made that his, his worst stuff was in Evolve and, and WWN, so he's an interesting one. But I do think that he also got him – you know, Timothy Thatcher got on the map you know, to, to a lot of people in, in Evolve and WWN. But that, that is a weird one in the sense that – uh, it was pretty terrible when he was there for the most Thatcher, part. But... Well, Thatcher is the perfect example of the booking does not matter because this is where Thatcher became uh, – he took – he became a, a name on the next level because of Evolve. I mean people knew who he was. Deep, deep indie fans knew who he was before Evolve and, 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 and for his stuff in Europe and his stuff in California. But going to Evolve – without question, expanded Timothy Thatcher's name and was instrumental in his career, regardless of how overpushed he was since he didn't get over with the fan base. Right. Uh, Darby Allen, check, for sure. Fucking Tony Nese, come on, check, oh, done. Now people are going to say, well, he was an impact. In two- <laughs> but again, no one remembers that. But, you know, the premier athlete stuff in Evolve is what ultimately got him hired with WW. Right, exactly. Uh, Rich Swan, a guy unquestionable, I think, between DGUSA and, and, and Evolve. People will argue maybe like seize up CZW or, or whatever, but to me he's an evolved guy. Right. Yeah. Uh, Ricochet, I mean, come on, <laughs> fucking no brainer. That's a Dragon Gate USA. Dragon Gate USA launched the rest of his career. Right. Chikara got him ready, found him, whatever you want to say with, with, with Ricochet, but he was a skinny geek with long hair that was going nowhere in Chikara. Yeah, but everybody starts somewhere. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's it's where you break through is, right. is what matters. When he you know, from when he entered DGUSA to when he left, I mean, there's no question that he was a fucking star. Uh, upon and that that. that was the launching pad for all the other shit that he did, you know, including Dragon Gate. Which, how do you think he got to Dragon Gate? <laughs> right, <laughs> it wasn't Chikara. Like... You know, it, it, no. 
Um, this is an interesting one here. Drew Galloway, the, the current Raw champion, Drew McIntyre. Um, I, no, I, I see why people would say, oh, no, 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 no. the first booking he took after WWE, two months when it was done, 90 days after he left WWE, was evolved in WWE, and he did a weekend shot there. And, and he was the a champion, booking, and, and the, the last, last booking, booking he took exactly. he took was the morning before he came back to WWE. There is no question Evolve revived his career and got him back to And he fucking he knew it, too, because where did he go the first time? he The first booking he could possibly take when he was done with WWE was, was, was Evolve. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr., interesting one, because I think... His, I don't know about... I mean... He's tough. I mean, Gabe booked him before PWG did, but... I don't think he broke through entirely at that point because he was like on Evolve 4 or some shit like that. Yeah, he was some early, yeah, nobody cares about when, you know. But that one, I don't know. I don't consider him an Evolve guy. Yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, I think he's he's the one that's definitely on the fence for me. I don't, I don't know that. I think I think regard, it, whether he worked Evolve or not, I think Zack Sabre Jr. was going to become a star. I mean, he obviously came through and did some of his best work there, but I can't be like, he's not on like the Gargano tier of, oh, Evolve made him. I right, can't right, say right. that. I cannot say that. Uh, Shane Strickland's an interesting one. I know, I know, a lot of people are going to go PWG, but look at his look at his background. Well, they're going to say history. CCW yeah, or CCW, say... but he did a lot of a lot of evolve, <laughs> a lot of evolve, more than you probably imagine. Twenty three appearances on evolve shows in his career. Well, it's indisputable that they got him the WWE gig because he went directly from evolve to WWE right. and during the uh, relationship era. So. That one's just supported by facts, even though in my brain, when you say Shane Strickland, I don't necessarily instantly associate him with Evolve. Right. Uh, Sammy Callahan. Again, think of, of the first time Sammy Callahan appeared, yeah. you know, got signed by WWE. I'm not saying necessarily today, but, like, he was signed because of DGUSA. We were glad. We were, we were celebrating it, remember? <laughs> when he got yeah, signed, we like, yeah. good. Get the fuck out of here. We don't have to see you again. But uh... We didn't want him there anymore. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's had a major league career since. So. Right. Uh, Lindsay Dorado is, is an interesting one too. A uh, lot of that, evolve shots, but who a, cares, really? I mean, to be honest, but you can make the Chikara argument for him. Um, I I don't know. I don't consider him a, an evolve guy. He doesn't. Right, right, no. right. I don't think so. No. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart's interesting. She's been uh, appeared a bunch on on Evolve and Shine and that sort of stuff. But I don't necessarily really consider her. Yeah, but again, I mean, she directly got her job, right, coming through Evolve. True. Yeah, yeah. Or do I have that timeline mixed up? Is she? Did no, she. she come, I think she got her contract on an Evolve show. Yes, that's right. Correctly. She yeah. came through. <laughs> yeah, so she absolutely. Like Paul yeah. Heyman, or not Paul Heyman, but uh, yeah, I, I think William Regal gave her a contract. On that's right. Yeah. An Evolve show. So yeah, it seems seems like a pretty direct influence in in, in some way. Uh, and then two no doubters for me: Kalisto, Samurai del Sol, and, and Ua Nation. You know, Apollo Crews. Oh, he's no an easy fucking one. doubters. He's an easy one. So not bad. It's a pretty good list. Callisto and UI, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and then there's a million other guys who have who passed through where Evolve was their last stop before either getting to WWE or coming back to WWE. Right. Those would include TJ Perkins, Chris Hero, um, you know, people like that. Hey, here's one for you. Malcolm Bivens. Yeah, absolutely. Squandered Ring of Honor, jumps to Evolve. What happens when he jumps to Evolve? He finds himself in WWE a few years later. And I don't think anyone would argue that his most memorable work, he was in Chikara and he was in Ring of Honor and that was all well and good. But what do you remember? Catch point, right? That's instantly what comes to mind with Malcolm, with, uh, you know, Stokely Hathaway. So, I mean, 
there, there's another one. And there, and there's others that I'm sure we're forgetting. And again, there's a many that have passed through as the final stop because they knew that's the final stop. These wrestlers, like we've talked the wrestlers and it's like a big thing when they finally got to a game promotion or they were trying to get to a game promotion, you know, and I've had wrestlers ask me advice. How do I get to, you know, it's so, I mean, I don't know. It's just frustrating because I see so many terrible takes on evolve and their legacy and what they meant and their place in the scene over the last decade. And they have been on the decline. So it's like, I'm not sure it leaves as gaping of a hole as it would have if they, you know, disbanded five years ago, but it still leaves a, a hole. You know, that was a place where, especially now with the, with the association with WWE, not only, I mean, it was known as a as as the launching pad before. Now it was like officially a launching pad. Now yeah. it was like legitimately the final stop to be seen. And the guy booking you worked for WWE and could get you there. And we see the skulk there now and Austin Theory and you know Josh Briggs was was soon to be on his way. And and so it it does leave a hole. And and that is a completely separate discussion from was Gabe a good booker? That's not what today is for. Or was Gabe a good guy to do business with? Yeah, probably not. You know, uh, there's horror stories. That stuff is a different discussion than was Evolve an important, a vital, a vitally important indie for, you know, the decade or so that it existed. And the question, it's unquestionably yes. I mean, you get bogged down in talking about booking and and, and small crowds at different points and, the other thing is a lot of people don't realize Evolve is, is is much more than the last two or three years. Yeah, I think that's there's I, a lot of new fans or people that have just kind of – people that just jump in on the, oh, let's dunk on Evolve and dunk on Gabe and all that sort of stuff. And it's an easy target, as we've always said. He's always been an easy target. But, yeah, but yeah. I really think dunking on Gabe is different than dunking on Evolve. I mean, right. I really believe it's two different discussions. You know, if you had issues with Gabe because he fucked you over or, or didn't – you know, you had business problems, I that I'm not – Defending that, that's whatever. We have people on our podcast network that fell out with Gabe. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he fucking. And, 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 dude, and he was a backed, total asshole to those guys. Yeah, for and sure. We backed them. We backed them. Okay, so in the, in that little scenario, uh, you know, so it's like I understand that. I I personally can't speak to it, but I think it's a different discussion. Evolves place in the scene and. Let's break down the career of Gabe Sapolsky. I just think those are two different, loosely, not loosely, two different, they're connected, but they're two different things and two different discussion points. All right. Uh, you ready to stay in WWE land? You want to talk uh, Backlash or do you want to get to uh, New Japan Cup? Let's finish up the WWE stuff and then right. do New Japan. We got well, plenty of time for New Japan. Yeah, probably won't take long to talk about it. It's WWE Backlash no. 2020, Joe. This Sunday, the greatest match ever, Randy Orton versus edge can you uh, uh, palpable expectations palpable excitement here for the greatest match ever happening this sunday and involving edge and randy orton what the hell is this whole thing we haven't well, i don't I, think we've talked about the greatest match ever here yeah. on the show what the fuck who's lost their mind what is this why is this happening well supposedly it was a vince and Heyman idea and it's taped already and um, I don't know, like, Edge is very uncomfortable with it. No, he knows it's not yet. So. Both guys, I think uh, Orton posted something today, too, where, like, clearly these guys don't love that they're being, you know, put in this position because they know they can't. I don't think it's fair to them. No. I mean, um, 
you know, they were put in a very uncomfortable, a very unfair position uh, with that kind of marketing. And now that we know it's not a gimmick where it's going to be a quick DQ or something, and they legitimately had a match, um, it's totally unfair to those two guys because it wasn't their idea. They're, they, they can't have the greatest match ever. Um, and, and the fact that they pre-taped it and did spots multiple times and did edits means that it can't be the greatest match ever anyway. Um, that immediately disqualifies it. And it's a shame because even if it's a great match now, I am not going to look favorably on it sure. because you pre because that's not a match to me, you know, where you pre-tape it with the intent of editing it and making sure all the spots are perfect. It's one thing just to run live to tape. That's not what this is. This is essentially one of their cinematic matches just presented like an actual. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club Slab Pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOWnet. Arenaclub.com slash VOWnet for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Match is the best way to put it because it was taped weeks ahead and supposedly they, you know, so they can do heavy editing and whatnot and make everything look right and this new thing now that they're addicted to. I don't know if it's the case here, but the implementation of crash pads I and mean, that's all well and good. But to me, you're not, it's not a match anymore at that point. 
what you're doing now is just, you know, a fight scene for a movie. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, but I, I really think taping it ahead, just, I, I feel bad for them from that perspective too. Cause how can we give them credit if it is great? I mean, technically anyone could go out there and have a great match. If you're going to have me and you could go have a match and it might take longer and it might have to be way more creative, but <laughs> it took a few days to edit, but yeah, you could get there. But with the benefit of editing, I mean, that, there's just nothing impressive about that, but it, it might tell you that the company is dead set on trying to make sure that it's perceived as great, right? Instead of just trusting them to go out there and do it. I'd be kind of insulted by that if I was Edge or right. Randy Orton. Mm-hmm. You're telling us, you're marketing this as the greatest match ever, but you're not letting us go out there and do it. And we're both, ex- they're both pretty good experienced pro wrestlers. It's not like we're dealing with rookies here, you know? So the whole thing is very bizarre. Yeah, the thing that's that, that, that trips me up with this whole thing, and it probably shouldn't, and it's one of these dumb little things that like I, I I shouldn't care about, but just the idea that like in kayfabe it's being called the greatest match ever, and that like these wrestlers have to say all oh, the expectations are, are are real high here because I have to go out there and have the greatest match ever and stuff, and it's just like it, it's one of these things that it's like it, it, when you, when you disconnect from this and and think about it for a second, you're like this is so stupid. Like what? Why would how how in kayfabe does Edge? have the greatest match ever. You know what I mean? How in the story, like you said, you, you know, or, or we talk about in, 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 you know, our deep dives and past wrestling and other wrestling companies and all this sort of stuff where I want to win this match to prove I'm better than you and that sort of stuff. How does Edge go out there and, 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 and say, all right, the bell's going to ring and I'm going to have the greatest match ever. How, how do you do that in kayfabe? Yeah, there's a kayfabe issue with that. I agree. It's weird. Um, it's just so like, and I had people replying, well, the, you know, the kickouts and that sort of, but yes, think of like a wrestler in, in like, you know, if this was real, if this is a simulated fight, there's no way like, cause, and, and, and some people say, well, it could be a, you know, in UFC, they have, you know, great fights and they give great. Yeah. But in UFC, people like matches that are over in 10 seconds. People like big knockouts. Some of the greatest boxing matches of all time were, were quick knockouts or fun, exciting matches and all that sort of stuff. Or, or people saying, oh, athletes say, you know, NBA players sometimes say, oh, this is going to be a great game or I can't wait. Yeah, but they have a set amount of time. They know the game's going to go 48 minutes. And in the context of those 48 minutes, they're they're going to battle back and forth with another team or whatever. In wrestling, you shouldn't want to have a great match. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way to have a great match. A great match is, is inherently you not being able to put the other guy away. You know, both of yeah. you guys being, you know, equals or whatever. And, and you, you really wouldn't want to promote that if you were a wrestler. But here we are. I, it, it's one of these dumb things that I shouldn't care about and I know they don't care about and I know most people don't care about. But it's one of those disconnect things where you're just like, why is this? What? What is going on? Like, what is this? Why is this happening? Yeah, I mean, it's tricky from that standpoint, too, because it's kind of but that one's a weird one. I mean, in, in, in MMA, there are fighters that strive to have a great fight, but that doesn't mean that they're not going to take a 10 second knockout if they can get one. Right. So is it the same mindset for wrestling? Can you strive to have a great match while also preserving kayfabe and attempting to win it right in... like yeah what if what if randy orton hits an rko in, in the first second of the match and goes oh no that's not gonna be the greatest match ever if i pin him right now so i better let yeah, him get off like... incredibly stupid but it's like yeah so i i don't know yeah it's it's just a weird thing all around and it's something that um they can't possibly live up to i mean what were they gonna god, be no good god no are you kidding like... i mean edge hasn't wrestled a match a real match in what 10 years or something like that and there's a ceiling on orton and 
their best possible match would be a really good match. I mean, sure. Their best possible match would be like a notebook match for sure, but their best possible match, I don't even think can approach best match ever territory. I feel, uh, I feel silly for even talking. Yeah. About I don't it. even know. Yeah. The, the fact that we're talking about it has proven that maybe they, maybe they had the right idea here because we're even discussing it for a half of a second when it, it's so utterly ridiculous that if yeah. everything landed perfect. Could they have a match of the year? Maybe. I don't know. I, Randy Orton. <laughs> like, I, you don't, I don't know. What's the best Randy Orton singles match of all time? Oh, God. Um, Did one of the Cena matches? Now, he didn't. He had a bunch of, like, very he mediocre had some Real matches. bad Cena matches. Yeah, there, there was did, one. I forget exactly when it was because they had, like, nine straight pay-per-view main events. Didn't, they have, a t- didn't they have a TLC match that was pretty good? That's Yeah, they? some sort of gimmicky thing that was pretty good. What about I would, I'd probably say the, the match against... The, oh, the I was there for live for the, the one at Money in the Bank, and that was awesome. I would the one I've always gone to is him versus Cactus Jack at, at Backlash. Well, interestingly enough, Backlash, uh, yeah. two thousand four. I want to say was the year of that one, which is a really, really fucking great match. Yeah, yeah. Edge That's probably it. Green. Yeah, <laughs> and that just had some tremendous matches. Of course, he's had some good singles, but I mean, I don't even think best case scenario could they have a match of the year contender? Maybe. I wouldn't bet on it, but. Let's get there before we talk about greatest match ever. But look, it's pro wrestling. It's a marketing ploy. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's really what it comes down to. It just, it's a promotional tactic, you know, and it has, it does have people talking. Right. They've, they've achieved that for sure. So they've absolutely achieved that. They have people thinking it's going to be a bullshit finish, which is probably the wrong kind of talk that you want (laughs) where you're, you've got your audience talking about a match that they're convinced isn't going to be a real match. That speaks more to, to how shitty your company has been booked than anything else. Whereas if New Japan promoted this is going to be the greatest match ever, would anybody think that there's going to be a 30-second disqualification? No. Or a run-in or some – Yeah, Okada's going to hit Omega in the nuts and roll him up in 10, 10 seconds and win the match. Yeah. It's just funny how people's first thought when WWE says it is you're going to get bait and switched. Yeah, you guys are going to fuck us over somehow. How are you going to do yeah. that? And that says a hell of a lot about the company. But um, what's the rest of this card look like? Oh, it's an interesting one here. Uh, WWE Championship match, Drew McIntyre versus Bobby Lashley. Um, so now I would say, for, for the record, I believe the next night's Raw has already been taped. Because if it had not been taped, given that <laughs> Heyman has been fired or, or like you know demoted, whatever you want to say, I could see Drew McIntyre getting hit by a car, and oh my god, Drew McIntyre's not going to be able to defend this title. Like I could see a bunch of that shit happening, but of course they're they're, t- they're taping. Why do you, why do you why do you say that? Well, because I'm saying like getting rid of the Heyman guys as quickly as possible to to, to have. Oh uh, well, know. we're gonna find out whether McIntyre was a Heyman guy or a right McMahon. in two weeks. We won't find out this week, but we'll find out maybe next week. So. Yeah, so um, you know we'll see whose idea that was ultimately. Uh, Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley. Well, they had really good matches in Impact. Do you remember those matches? Yeah, it's almost the anniversary, I believe. It's, I believe it's legitimately the anniversary of their Slammiversary match like, this weekend yeah. as well, which is, is perfect. But yeah, I think it was Slammiversary 16. Garrett's gonna, Garrett Kidney is screaming right now that I got the year wrong. I believe it's either 16 or 17 was, was the Drew McIntyre Bobby Lashley uh, Slammiversary main event. But it was really good. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Yeah, I believe that year it was the only impact notebook match for me. 
in a piece of trivia that literally zero people care about. <laughs> Nobody cares about. Hey, Joe, how's your uh, fantasy team doing? <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Joe, how? what was your only impact notebook match in 2016? <laughs> Is a question I'll never be asked. Right. I'm right? glad you asked. It was actually Drew Galloway versus Bobby Lashley. But I just provided you that information. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, you don't even need to ask Joe anymore. Next time you see him, you don't have to ask him that anymore. You can ask another that's uh, right. Question. So there's there's that match. Uh, another match on this show, Joe, is Braun Strowman defending the WWE Universal Championship against The Miz and John Morrison. Yeah. Bruce Pritchard SmackDown coming coming with some hot action here. Fantastic stuff. Which is, you know, why they've retained all four and a half million viewers that they started with on right. SmackDown. Great action like this. It's <laughs> fucking trash. What do you want me garbage. to say? WWE Raw Women's Championship Oscar defending against Nia Jax. I mean, hopefully Oscar you know, comes out alive. That's all I guess we should. <laughs> if it wasn't for Tamina, Nia Jax would be, you know, uh, actually Nia Jax probably gets more shit than to, isn't not Nia Jax. I mean, there's wrestlers in the company who like yes. want her gone. Right, right, right. I think Tamina's yeah. like harmlessly bad. Whereas Nia Jax is like bad and hurting. also hurting everybody around her. So yeah. Yeah. So uh, does Asuka like she has an aura, but is she a legitimate shooter? I don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah, there's probably someone that can answer that for us, but I, um, I mean, I guess, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. She kind of, she acts like a shooter, but I don't know if she's, I, I don't know if she could shoot. If she that's what I mean. To, so. Is she, is she a trained fighter? I don't know the answer to that. I know that obviously she's a tough woman. I mean, she got slapped around by Minoru Suzuki. She's worked very stiff matches in her career, but is she a trained fighter? Because I'm, I'm curious if like Nia Jax, like stiffs the wrong person if things could get ugly <laughs> right you know but um i don't know yeah i don't i don't think she has an actual fighting background if i remember correctly but but i could be wrong someone can maybe uh yeah let us know about that but um all right so that's that's another match joe uh speaking of bruce pritchard's starling uh smackdown television show jeff hardy versus sheamus uh sheamus has uh has framed jeff hardy and, and gotten jeff hardy arrested for a dui because he said that jeff hardy hit Elias with a car, and then he sprayed alcohol over Jeff Hardy. Yes, and that's it's, <laughs> I can't believe it's it's fucking June 2020, and we're talking about Jeff Hardy versus Sheamus, a company that has signed everybody, <laughs> they've signed every major United States talent except for Will Ospreay and Zack Saber Jr. And on fucking June 2020, I have to talk about a Jeff Hardy Sheamus match, and it's based <laughs> on Jeff Hardy's real life issues. <laughs> And, like, not like, oh, well, that happened 20 years ago and he's, like, moved on. No, like, literally the stuff that w- that people make fun of WCW about, of, of, of making fun of Scott Hall or using Scott Hall's alcoholism in a storyline, they're doing right now. This is Hawk climbing the Titan Tron. <laughs> what are we doing? God damn it. Oh, my God. I mean, the guy's God. not even – are we even sure that he's, like, defeated alcoholism? No, I don't think so. He had a DUI right. fucking three months ago, I think. <laughs> I don't know. Ridiculous. I mean, I'm not particularly worked up about it. I, I am of the school of thought that if Jeff Hardy's okay with it. You're right. I just find it just fucking but, stupid. It's just. But do you have to do it? I mean, can't you do <laughs> right. something else? Right? You just do something else. Uh, October 2019, he was uh, he was arrested and charged. Yeah. So just do something else. Do a different stuff. Like, do you have <laughs> to do that? You know, it's just that that's where I come from with it. Yeah. WWE Women's Tag Team Titles, Joe. Bailey and Sasha Banks defending their titles against Alexa and Nikki Cross. 
as well as the I Iconics, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Yeah, the Iconics are back in the mix. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. I hope they win this match. I God, I hope they win this match so badly. With Bailey and Sasha back with the titles and everything, they are the champions coming. Correct. Into this, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they've lost them on the SmackDown that we're not watching, then then yes. Are you the are you into these titles again, or or you're still out? Uh, I'm still out because it's it's still this company, so I can't have any faith that they're gonna like just have good. I mean, it's it's certainly better that it's Bailey and Sasha Banks than the Iconics, but or or even Alexa and Nikki, but I, I just can't have any real confidence in anything that they do right now. So remember how pumped we were about these titles? They had when them. They, they were great. Usually. They were great for a while. Yeah, and they were gonna go to every brand in the fandom, and we were super excited. We spent flagship real estate talking about it way to waste the time we were like they're gonna go to nxt they're gonna go to nxt and face zaya brookside and candy floss and it's gonna rule <laughs> don't know if that's an right? exact quote but yes so similar to that yeah it's the first two i thought of and, and it's like, <laughs> candy floss and zaya brookside were the first two people you thought of what do you want from me i'm gonna tell you what was pretty good though um, NXT UK, as you know, is like completely shut down. So they've been doing like best of shows. Right, right. <laughs> I love, I love a good best of NXT UK. It, it, no, best of Gallus. I thought there was, I saw there was a best of Gallus this week. Too. There was That's... a best of Gallus, but some of them are cool. Like it'll be like Walter's favorite matches, right? And it's like Dynamite Kid versus uh, uh, Tiger Mask from. Oh, MSG. interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. All right, all right. Well, now I'm gonna it's, watch. They're, they're sneaky good, but wedged in between all of the best ofs and compilations that they've been doing to kill time. Like, they did a history of, like, one show is devoted to the history behind Walter and Tyler Bate. Now, obviously, you can only get the WWF matches, right? But, they, you know, the promos and people talking about it. But they did, wedged in between, they did a show with NXT UK lost tapes. Just matches from tapings that they never aired or whatever. And it's awesome. I mean, if people are looking for something to watch, I'm not, I'm not like, fucking with you either. Like, it's got Matt Riddle versus Liguero. Um, it's got a Tony Storm title defense against uh, um, uh, Deanna Perrazzo. It has, uh, I know this isn't a great sell so far, but the matches. Are <laughs> um, and there's two really other great matches. I can't, I can't remember what they are off the top of my head, but it's just matches that they never ended up airing for whatever reason um, from, from over the years. But what even made me talk about that? Oh, Candy Floss. Yeah. Oh, there's a really great Shayna Baszler versus um you're not gonna know and this is gonna be terrible but she's real pale and she does like the goth gimmick and she stinks what the hell (laughs) i don't know no no you do you do oh shit i have to know this now but it's the best match of that girl's career and she's horrible but baszler just has this awesome match with her i have to know now um but anyway, uh, point is, you still don't care about the women's tag team titles, even though they're back on Sasha and Bailey. It helps, but it's still this company, so it's hard to get super excited about anything. So, How do I spell Baszler? S-Z? Uh, yes, yeah, S-Z. L-E-R. I never get that right on the first try. There's two that I never get right on the first try. Shayna Baszler and Tommaso Ciampa. I've never once gotten Tommaso. How many M's are there? I, never. Ever once have I correctly predicted the amount of M's in Tommaso Ciampa. Ever. The M's in the S's, man. It's it's like I never get them right. I am gonna find this Baszler opponent in NXT UK. It was a it was a title defense. It was against Isla Dawn. There you go. You still oh, are. Oh yeah, she stinks. Yeah, she's, she's pale and she's and terrible. She's, <laughs> she stinks. <laughs> yeah. But I'm telling you, this match and Shayna Baszler. Look, she's not like 
she's got her flaws too. And I saw this and I'm like, this can't be good. God did that fucking rock. I mean, she was just grapple fucking her and slapping her around and putting her in holds. And I, I'm telling, I, I can't believe I'm recommending an Isla Dawn. <laughs> you are Shayna Baszler, Isla Dawn, or whatever. It was good. The whole show was good, even though like one opponent in each match doesn't sound so hot. It was a really good like compilation show. And then we have a U.S. Championship match, the Heyman Special here. Apollo Crews defending the title against Andrade. Again, if they didn't tape Raw the next day, I could see this match just getting wiped from existence and just never, ever speaking it again and just big show coming out with the U.S. title or something like that. You know what I mean? Well, these are undoubtedly two Heyman guys. Yeah, keep, and, you put a pin in these guys and see where they're at in two weeks. We'll see which ones have gotten over with Vince and which ones haven't, basically. I feel bad for Apollo Crews because this push is so new. Oh, we just started, yeah. And he waited so long, and um, it might be it for him. Now, Andrade and Garza were pushed so strong for so long that I think they might be safe. Again, it's hard to tell without fans, but they've done great work. I mean, you could argue that they've been the glue of Raw for a long time. Um, and then they Austin Theory got in the mix, but they broke him off and put him with Seth Rollins. I mean... They think Austin Theory is going to be a big star. I mean, and it's very obvious in the ways that they're using them too. But um, yeah, well, yeah, you make a good point. We'll see which of these guys, you know, fall off. So that's uh, that's somebody backlash twenty. That sounds horrendous. That's the <laughs> whole fucking show. terrible show. Uh, if you guys are curious, we are. I don't think I'm going to do an instant reaction for that show. I I don't really even want to watch this show. Well, the word from the greatest match ever is that it's really long. With yeah. lots of selling. Oh, great. I can't wait. <laughs> how bad does that sound? does not sound uh, fantastic. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see how Sunday goes. But uh, don't don't anticipate an instant reaction live for the Backlash 2020. So. Well, we got to review it either here or there. So. Yeah, I know. We'll, 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 I just don't want to promise it. Like, if, if I get halfway through the show and I just think, fuck, I hate this. Uh, you'll know. You'll, you'll know sometime during the weekend if we're, if we're going to do an instant reaction for it. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like right now, after just reading that card, I don't want to, but things might change on, on Sunday. So we'll see what a card they've signed every American talent, every UK talent. And this is what we have. Listen to that show. That's terrible. That's an awful show. It's a it's terrible so wrestling show. How is yeah. it this bad? It's almost so bad that it's intriguing. Almost, but it, it isn't even so bad that it's intriguing. <laughs> right. Who the fuck wants to sit through Miz and Morrison versus Braun? I mean, why would you want to watch that? I, I don't know. Let's move on. There's so much <sighs> stuff to talk I know, about. I know. Why are we getting bogged down in this? Absolutely. So. Uh, any any uh, quick, uh, before we leave WWE land here, uh, TakeOver Fallout. Um, we wanted to talk briefly about the, you know, Charlotte now officially done in NXT, we talked about it at length on the uh, the Instant Reaction Live for, for NXT In Your House, uh, voiceofwrestling.com slash Patreon, patreon.com uh, slash Voices of Wrestling. And I think one of, the, one of the highlights there is the epiphany that you had that maybe we've all been addressing or thinking about the Charlotte Rhea Ripley thing the wrong way. Do you, do you want to kind of bring that back a little bit for, for folks uh, that maybe have not listened to the Instant Reaction Live? Which, why haven't you? Come on, what are you doing? Voice of Wrestling.com yeah, slash Patreon. My point there, as I burped. <laughs> Good God. Live radio, man. <laughs> Live oh, radio. like I would have edited that out anyway. Nah, fuck that. I haven't eaten since breakfast, and you know what I had? You know what I had at 8.30 in the morning? Buffalo chicken fingers. Oh, cr- what? Why? 
Where? I don't know. I had buffalo chicken fingers. Or like for freezer? Or out of the freezer? Or did you go somewhere and get these? Air fryer, baby. Oh, nice, nice. Okay. Well, air fryer. Can't hate you for that. That sounds pretty good, actually. But it is a little rough in the morning, you know? Yeah, that's, I, I can't eat that kind of food in the, in the morning. You know what I mean? Like, it's weird how your brain sort of puts different meals. Like, it shouldn't matter, to be honest. Like, it should. Like, it, it, you should just be able to eat buffalo chicken at 8 a.m. And it'd be fine. But, like, your brain is just like, nah, I, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, I can't. This is not – I need to be eating something. But, like, breakfast food is kind of the same deal. It's just like, it, I, for whatever reason, it just feels different. I don't know why. feels different. feels different. Like, I won't crack open a Coke Z unless it's at least 11 a.m. Right. Oh, yeah. You're, you're ridiculous if you're drinking at 7 a.m. You're drinking a soda. But, like, it, it really – why? It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's the same. It's it shouldn't all... matter. But – when I when when I look in the fridge, I'm like, it's not appropriate. I gotta have an orange juice. I gotta have some water. I cannot. I will not crack it open till eleven. I won't do it. It doesn't feel right. But so that's why you know the the buffalo chicken fingers. I mean, it was a weird. That's all I've eaten all day. You know, another development in the Lanza house. I gotta tell you this real quick too. New shower head, Rich. I'm taking showers like nine times. Oh a day. Uh, yeah, it's it's a life changing experience. Yeah, get a good shower head. Yeah. It's like melting the skin off of my back, and I love every second of it. It's such an experience. Man, because you don't realize how bad your shower head is. Until, until you get a new one. Yeah, yeah. You always think, nah, my shower head's fine. Then you get a new one. You're like, man, what have I been doing? <laughs> like, how was I even getting soap off of my body with right. the other shit? It's incredible, you know? But, uh, yeah, that's what's going on in the Lance. Wow, fun, like, exciting you know? times. Air fryer and new shower head, man. What, what, what? And buffalo chicken fingers for breakfast. Cause... <laughs> I do what I want, man. I'm a grown man. If I want buffalo chicken fingers for breakfast, that's what I'm going right, to do. Right, absolutely. Um, what were we talking about? Oh, so Charlotte, the epiphany. Yeah. So we're all approaching this like, what the fuck are they doing to Rhea Ripley? She keeps losing to Charlotte. She's she's cutting promos, curled up in a ball in the corner crying, saying that Charlotte's too good for her. Why do they think this is going to get Rhea Ripley over? And then as we're doing the show, it just hit me, Rich. Because they're not trying to get Rhea Ripley over. They're trying to get Charlotte over. It's all about Charlotte. It has nothing to do with Rhea. Rhea is just another stepping stone for Charlotte. And when you look at Vince McMahon's MO, you made it. Look, we had someone very, a very important power player in the business. Saw that take or heard that take or whatever. Swooped into the DMs and said, you guys are exactly right. It's 100% all about Charlotte. It's a very astute observation. And you made a very good point in that conversation that we had with a very high-ranking power player in the business. Doesn't get much higher than that, right, Rich? Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, You made a very astute point. You said we saw the same thing with Braun a couple of years ago where Braun was on the precipice. And for whatever reason, they just couldn't – it was like, what are they doing with Braun? This isn't going to get him over because the idea wasn't to get Braun over. It was all about Roman and the Roman train and nothing's going to stop the Roman train at the expense of potentially making a new star. And this is the same thing on a smaller scale. Cause I don't think Rhea is where, is where Braun was, but she could have been eventually, especially if she wins a feud versus Charlotte. And we wasted a lot of breath talking about maybe Rhea will beat Charlotte later or beat her on raw or whatever. But now Charlotte's not even as we suspected that night, but now we know for sure she's not even on NXT anymore. She exits stage left without Rhea ever getting that win back. And she lost the title without taking a fall. It's, it was always about pushing Charlotte. They brought Charlotte to NXT to beat Rhea Ripley. 
for the benefit of Charlotte. And none of this was ever going to be for the benefit of Rhea Ripley. And she's never getting that win back. And if she does, it won't mean anything by the time she does. So that was the big epiphany that we talked about behind the paywall with the added effect of the new information now that Charlotte is officially gone from NXT. Which uh, Triple H can say on conference calls all he wants that eventually it's going to pay off and let it play out. They haven't earned the right to tell us to let it play out. Hell no. Hell no, they have. And I don't care if Charlotte, if uh, Rhea shows up on Raw and continues the feud and beats her on some B pay-per-view that nobody's watching. They already missed the window. They missed the window in Rhea beating Charlotte in a meaningful manner. They missed it. And we're not going to relitigate what we did behind the paywall. You go listen, but we get into those details. But I think that's an important point to make, that this was never about Rhea. And that's why it seems so absurd and crazy. But if you view it through the other lens, if you view this feud as a way to get Charlotte over, it looks brilliant and right. perfect. Exactly. We talked about it again, like going back to the Braun thing. Longtime listeners of this show know the, the, the Roman train we always used to do. You had a little sound effect that you would always do during it is we would say <laughs> everybody is looking at this wrong. Everybody is looking at, well, they're not doing enough for Braun. Or why is Braun doing this? Why is Braun? No, 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 no. That's not the point. The point is Braun gets built up to a certain level so the Roman train can come by and run him over. And that's what yeah. it always was. And there was many other guys. Braun's just the one that I remember most vividly. But there were many other guys in that wake, too, that, that we always think of this in the way that we maybe should think of it as like, well, how, are this, how is this getting a new star over? And it's like, it's not. It's getting the old star more over in their brain. Charlotte right. winning another title to add to her catalog, showing that she belongs in NXT to, to prop up NXT ratings, to do that sort of stuff. Now, she bounce, she wins the title, wins the Rumble, does all that sort of stuff, loses without getting pinned, bounces, and she's done. And yeah. we're all wondering, oh, my God, what are they doing? Well, think of it in the lens of we want Charlotte to win another title and boost NXT ratings. That's what it was. Ripley just happened to be the champion at that time. And 22-year-old, you know, mega star in the waiting, be damned, who gives a shit? We got to get Charlotte another title, and we, she needs to increase NXT ratings. Well, Ripley, any- was, Ripley oh. was someone who she hadn't beaten yet, so it was right. fresh meat. And it was fresh meat that was over and a threat, and it was an impressive win for Charlotte. And you were going to say something about the ratings. Well, I just said, like, the idea was Charlotte comes in here, helps the ratings, because she's a huge star. That didn't happen. Yeah. And she wins the title because we need to have her have as many titles as possible so that eventually we can say she's an 18-time champion and then she wins her 19th and, oh, my God, she has more than her father. And yeah. then we move on. And, and, and yeah, once you think of it through that lens, it all makes sense. It might not <laughs> – it makes sense in their warped logic. It might not make sense to you and I, but, like, we're all looking at it the wrong way. We're looking at it as Rhea Ripley is, is being pushed to the next star. Io Shirai is being rewarded for her years of hard work. That's ne- it, never what it was. It's Charlotte no. comes in, Charlotte's a focus, Charlotte runs this this mega star in the waiting, potentially over, beats her, and she goes back to her on her merry way to, to you know, the Raw or SmackDown. That's it. Yeah. When, you know, good booking would be Charlotte comes down there and has a awesome feud with Rhea, and Rhea benefits from it and wins in the end. And it doesn't hurt Charlotte at all. But now you have possibly made a star. As we talked about at the top, they don't know how to make stars anymore. No clue. They think they have stars and then treat them like stars, but they don't get anyone over to that point to where, like, like the reality is they're not stars. This is like, and this started with Randy Orton. 
Randy Orton was never a major star. Right, but they just, from 2004 on, have just said, this guy's a star. Like, literally said it. (laughs) Like, literally on commentary. This guy's a big star. He's such a big star. Look how big of a star this guy is. Yep. They view him as one. They treat him as one. They've convinced themselves that he's one. But he's never a big star. There's no metric that will tell you that Randy Orton was ever the level of star that they think he is. And we and he was the first, and now Charlotte's the latest, and there's been a bunch in between. They just feel like if they constantly tell you someone's a star, that they're going to be one, and that's not true. It's it's not true. It's it, you can't just because that's how their marketing works. They just pound things into your brain over and over, and a lot of times that works, you know. But it doesn't work in terms of portraying someone as a star that's a different animal you can get catchphrases and slogans over and 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 things like that by constantly pounding it into people's brains but you it'll never work constantly telling someone's a star that will never work you have to legitimately be a star you can't just say someone is over and over and and have it magically happen Anyway, I think we should move on from WWE. Absolutely. Thank God. All right. <laughs> Let's move on here. Joe, New Japan Pro Wrestling is back. They officially announced the New Japan Cup launching June 16th, uh, running through July 11th. That will be the final uh, in July 11th at Osaka Joe Hall. One-third capacity for the Osaka Joe Hall thing. Uh, but, uh, yeah, what do you think overall of we'll, – we'll talk about it, you know, a little bit of the actual tournament itself. But uh, big picture idea, big picture thoughts. New Japan Cup is back. New Japan is back. Uh, empty arenas until the final night uh, when they're going to have, um, you, know, you know, obviously in Osaka Joe Hall. But w- what are your thoughts on, on everything going on there? I'm honestly just as excited for that mystery vortex show that they're doing first. Um, I don't know if you mentioned that, but they're doing a oh, show. Oh, sorry. No, I did not. But yeah, they're where... doing like a who the fuck knows what's going to happen on this day type show thing, which is cool. And I think with no fans is the perfect time to do shows like that because it's kind of been proven over time that the mystery opponent, mystery show gimmick doesn't necessarily uh, draw as well as you think it would. But in front of no fans, who cares? Do it, right? Because you're not dependent on that. And just the name of the show, what's it called? Like All Together or Together? or Yeah, let me get what? the uh, – It's uh, not All Together, but yeah, let me, let me find out exactly the uh... – The name of the show implies that there could be outside talent on the show. And – if you remember Together Tanahashi, project. Together Project. Sorry, not to Together Project. So if you remember Tanahashi talked about how Japanese wrestling needs to come together and Okada talked about facing guys from other companies during COVID, there's a possibility that this will involve outside talent. I don't want to hype myself up too much, but based on all that talk and based on the name of the show, I kind of have it in my head that we're going to see like a joint promotional kind of thing with this with this mystery card. And that would be really cool. Um you know who you don't know who could come out of that. I mean, Kato Kiyomiya comes out from that curtain, you know, and then he eats a rainmaker from Okada and lights <laughs> Twitter on fire. Right, right, right. God, I would love to see that just to just to see Twitter. Um, but you know who knows? So I'm excited about that. As far as the New Japan Cup goes, at first I was bummed that they're doing empty arena shows. I thought they held out longer than anyone. They're going to make it special when they come back. They're going to do it in front of fans. The more I think about it, the more on board I am. The tournament looks great. I think they did a great job under the circumstances of using all native talent, keeping the brackets the way they were initially, but just plugging different names in for the guys who couldn't show up, which tells you that they're sticking to whatever original booking plan they had, at least to some extent. So that's good. Um, 
so yeah, we'll see what these empty arena shows look like. It'll be four tournament matches and one additional match on each show. And we'll see how they handle it. We all know that some companies have done very well. Some companies haven't. I hope they keep the matches short. That seems to be the winning formula. Uh, the last thing we need is 40-minute New Japan main events in front of no fans. No thanks. Let's keep these neat and tidy 8 to 10 minutes, please. Maybe the main event goes 12 or 15. That's all we need. Okay, plus their tournament matches on top of that. So I'm curious to see how they handle that. And then we'll get Osaka, uh, the Osaka building with, you know, keeping every other or two seats empty in between each fan, whatever the case may be. I think that's stupid. I mean, I don't want to get into a COVID thing, but if you're putting that many people in a building, what the fuck is the difference if you put, I mean. Right. Well, I always say like the, the thing that, the, the, yeah, it's good in principle to do that. But what happens when the show is over and everyone's walking in the same hallways? Exactly. You've already ruined that. Because people always say, oh, well, they can do these baseball stadiums and they can put, you know, a person in every seat or, you know, three guys in a row, you know, three people in a row. And I'm like, yeah, but like if I'm waiting in line for the bathroom or waiting in line for beer or I'm walking out of the building, like I'm, I'm right next to people then. So unless you want to say, okay, section 103, <laughs> please leave. <laughs> like, you know, section 103. Okay, section 103 at their cars. Okay. All right, section 102. <laughs> like, you're not going to do that. So. It only I, matters in, in it's it's very much a, a look PR. thing than and a PR thing than it is. Like in actuality, you don't really care that much about because you, you would don't. just say it's, no crowds yeah. then at all. It's total PR. It's you. It's negligibly safer. I mean, okay, so I don't have someone sitting a foot from me. I have them sitting four feet from me. What the fuck is the difference? You're gonna be leaning over. You're all in the same building. You're all touching shit. It's just such PR, but it's whatever. Uh, you know. It'll be a good atmosphere because there's going to be a couple thousand people in the building, um, and uh, yeah, I'm 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 hyped for it. And um, I don't have any predictions or anything like that. We don't really have time to do a big prediction show where we're picking brackets. And quite honestly, we talked about it off air, and I agree with what you told me. New Japan has been off my radar for so long that I don't even have a real good feel for. Yeah, I don't, right know, I don't know my fastball anymore. It's like I don't know. <laughs> like you see, I don't. Who fucking knows, man? I just want. I just want to see guys wrestle. I'm kind of. I'm kind of looking forward to this. Like normally when we do these, we're like, okay, we have to intricately break it down and 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 say, okay, this guy's clearly winning, and that guy. And it's like I just kind of feel like I'm gonna put my feet up and just be like, whoever, man, whatever, who cares? I don't want to think too hard about it. Yeah, right. Like I don't want to solve the riddle. It's kind of like when the G1 comes around and everybody instantly looks at the last three nights to figure out. <laughs> right. Right. I kind of don't, I try not to do that. Cause I want to like experience it, but I don't want to solve this riddle. So I know that the matches look super intriguing. We can break down each day really quick. If you want, if you want to just give me the first round matches and then yeah, quick thoughts. Yeah, let's do that. I do want to say, uh, John Carroll, uh, at voices of wrestling.com. Incredible. Awesome. Just ungodly amount. It's it's like way more words than we would ever need about the New Japan Cup, but it is much appreciated. I mean, breakdowns of every single wrestler, breakdowns of the history of the New Japan Cup, level, you know, some predictions here and there. Just incredible stuff by John uh, over at VoicesWrestling.com. So make sure you read that. Top of the line shit. Subscribe to the uh, Omakase Patreon too. Yes, yeah, Russell Omakase on, on on Patreon too. You can find it. We'll, we'll put a link in the description as well. So Crate is going to be on. There. I am going to be on there. Yeah, doing the uh, doing little five match gimmicks. So get the plug a ruin there. Come on. I, we don't know. Up. We haven't figured it all out yet. I, I we don't know our final matches yet. Those haven't been up for vote yet. But I'm going to be there. Patreon uh, Russell Omakase's Patreon. Well, Alan, he booked Alan before me, so or, or, or John booked Alan before me, so that's kind of a yo. Nice I show. got booked on a free show, so you guys. Are <laughs> I'm on the paid. Yeah. Well, John, you know they, they uh. Yeah, Alan they know where the first. money's paid, yeah, huh? They, they, yeah. All right, all right. 
I, I'm a certified draw. I don't care what anybody says, but that's fine. I, you know, I'm not insulted. <laughs> at, least, at least I was the first free show. Like I came out of the gate with the new concept. That's true. The new concept was you. So that is, yeah. that is. I always use the role of that. That is very strategic. Very strategic. They anyway, what they're what? doing? Yeah, John, John knows. John knows. Yeah, they know what they're doing, so they're smart. All right, uh, let's go. So again, preview voiceofwrestling.com, incredible New Japan Cup preview uh, by John Carroll there. So uh, we'll start out Tuesday, June sixteenth. First round matchups: Togi Makabe, Yota Suji, Tomohiro Ishii, El Desperado, Toru Yano, Jado, Tomiyaki Hanma versus Hiromu Takahashi. So interesting that this is an open weight tournament as well. So there will be uh, some juniors in there. Um, Hold on, I well. wasn't. I wasn't paying attention. Hold on, let me let me pull up the sheet. I'm not going to make it read. <laughs> All right, that's fine. I'll tell you if anything looks uh, enticing to me here. Uh, it's on the run sheet. Uh, it is, yes. They're also on, right. on on Wikipedia too. So. All right, so Makabe versus Suji. That's the one you're doing. Um. Yes. Yeah. Sixteenth, right? Uh. Yes. <laughs> what were you paying attention to? I was just not When's the last time you heard me? When do you want me to restart? Like, I was dr- I was drifting off. I don't know what happened. We do a long <laughs> show, man. You can't tell me you're uh, on top of every word no, I God, say. No, God, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, scrolling and shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, Makabe Suji. Um, I don't know about that one. Uh, Ishii Desperado looks awesome. Yano Jado looks like one of the worst matches you could possibly put together in New Japan. Um, and Hanma versus Hiromu. I mean, if this were four or five years ago, um, well, that wouldn't work either. It's almost like when Hiromu came back, Hanma had the broken neck. Like, it never really lined up. But, you know, unlike a video game or in a fantasy world, that could have been a really awesome match in another place in time. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, that's the uh, the 16th. Some fun matches there. Uh, the Hiromu-Hanma, the, the <laughs> like you said. Like, imagine how cool that match would have been. If both men were in there, but yeah, it's, it's so I, tough with, I think there's exactly one fun match there. Ishii Desperado. Yeah. Um, yeah, nah, I was, I was going to say Togi Makabe, <laughs> you to Suji, but you really fired up for Makabe. I mean, not really. Yeah. That's that. He has probably been eating a lot of desserts over the last three months. So I'm not too, I, I'm, I'm very curious wrong. who I'm shows up. Bad. Like I'm very curious who shows up, not looking, you know, uh, that's true. Yeah, I'm all you know, who's got their Sean Kemp, you know, post lockout body going. So Yeah, that'll be interesting. Now don't get me wrong, I'll be into all these matches, but I'm just saying that might be the weakest card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not great. Uh Wednesday, June seventeenth, also first round matchup. Okada Gato, baby. Let's go right out of the gate. This wait. show rules. That's gonna be awesome. I Nagata wait. Suzuki, that sounds great. Uamura oh. versus Kanamoro sounds awesome. And then Gabriel Kidd, Taiji Ishimori. Okay, so the interesting thing here is we're going to get a Yoshinobu Kanemaru versus Taiji Ishimori second-round match. Those two guys have that deep history where Ishimori has never defeated Kanemaru. So that is a real interesting second-round match. And uh, they're obviously going to beat the Young Lion opponents and move on. And then you got Nagata Suzuki, which could be awesome, and Okada Gato, which has is obviously thick with history. Yeah, that's going to be – This is a show. good that's It's a show. good region. It's good region, it's a Rich. Good region, absolutely. Uh, Monday, June twenty second, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Taichi, Kota Ibushi, Zack Saber Jr. Nice, right there. Fucking a. Taguchi versus Sonata and Show versus Shingo. My God, it's so good to have like good professional wrestlers and good, you know, none of this bullshit that we've had to watch and pretend is good. Like it's all just great. 
God, yeah. it feels good. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not talking about these. We're not talking about these shitbag, you know, Japanese indie guys that stink and look like shit anymore. It's just like and trying to make the best of it, <laughs> right? Like I, I appreciated what we tried to do, but like fucking Kota Ibushi, Zack Saber Jr. Like you know what I mean? Let's go. We're, we're back. Getting, yeah, we're getting Kota Ibushi, Zack Saber Jr. and Show versus Shingo. This is big boy wrestling, Rich. It's big boy wrestling. This is not two AW and a little empty build. This is big boy wrestling. Now you make a good point. You know, I mean, I, you know, I was into, I was fired up for Hartley Jackson versus Chris Vice. <laughs> right. Which is fine. I'm glad we were, but you know, now it's we're playing big boy. Now we're playing the, we're in the major leagues again here. So this is New Japan pro wrestling, Rich. <laughs> Get into it. This is New Japan pro wrestling. Uh, John Carroll wanted to clarify 11, zero and one for Kanemaru all time. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, the guy never beat him. <laughs> John's just giving you the, the, the official numbers. How am I wrong? I say he never you're, beat You're him. not. I'm just saying that's the numbers. I'm, I'm just I, – I, maybe not clarify is, is oh, the wrong term. it's not a correction. Okay. It's not All a right. correction. It's a uh, – um, You can't do that to me when I'm already fired up support. about it. Support. <laughs> yeah, support for you. <laughs> okay. All right. Apologies. Apologies. Yes. And, and by the way, the link patreon.com slash wrestling on the So if you want the official link there. So that's what we're doing. Yeah, John's had enough. No more plugs. No more plugs. Let's go. Let's move it along. Uh, Tuesday, June 23rd, uh, Tenzan Yoshihashi. Oh, boy. Uh, Yo versus Bushi, Ko, uh, Kojima versus Evil, and Goto versus Yujiro Takahashi. Yeah. That's a rough day. <laughs> That's not a good Yeah, one. no, it's not as bad as the first uh, region, though. Because um, Yo, Bushi could be all right. Uh, could Kojima, Evil could be all right. Tenzan's is finished. That's going to be bad. And uh, Goto, Yujiro. It depends, you know, what kind of Yujiro shows up. But there's some good second round. There's some good later tournament. Look, we can get Goto, Kojima. You're right. Which would be excellent. But I think Kojima's going to lose to Evil. But Evil Goto would be good, too. Yeah, exactly. So then uh, we, we go to the you know the second round real quickly here. Uh, we can just kind of maybe do a, a basic predictions or basic sort of, hey, this would be really cool if this happened. Uh, Wednesday, June 24th, uh, the winner of Makabe and Suji, obviously Makabe, uh, versus Ishii and Desperado. I imagine that'd be Ishii, so Makabe, Ishii, you know, fine. Down for that. Uh, Yano probably beating Jado. <laughs> I'd say a real hot take there that yeah. Jado won't get the victory here uh, against the winner of Hanma and Hiromu, who, which I so would hope would be Hiromu, but, you know. It's kind of disappointing that Hiromu is facing Hanma and Yano. I know, I know. Well, I guess they're giving, they're, they're, they're gently getting him back up to speed, I guess. But, yeah, that's... That's yeah. going to be tough. Uh, hopefully, hopefully he beats Yano. Moves on. Uh, Okado Gato winner. Again, hot take. I believe that will probably be Okada versus Nagata Suzuki winner. So that would be awesome. I mean, either one of those matchups I'm pretty excited about. I'd like a, I'd like a good Okada Nagata match. It's been a while since we've had a good one like that. So, but I don't, I probably not going to have a I feel like we've seen, I feel like we've seen Suzuki Okada more recently. I know. I want Okada and Nagata. Those are always real fun. So how many times have they wrestled each other? I don't even, I feel like it was one time of, a few years I ago, or yeah, I don't, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I remember enjoying the fuck out. No, 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 remember it was like one of my, ma- I, I think I voted it top ten match of the year. Uh, was when it the G1 hell match? year was it? It was a, oh my god, okay, don't people, Look I'm it looking up. it up, I'm looking it up, chat room, I'm looking it up. Stay away from the chat room, it's just gonna depress <laughs> right. you. I'm looking it up. Luckily, they're on a little bit of a delay, so it's even worse because we've already like answered it and moved on, and then people are like, "Nagata, <laughs> G1." It's like, so all right. It was uh, oh Jesus, when you type Okada, gives me every single tag match. Click, click, click. Thank you, cage match. 2015. Oh, Okada defeated Nagata. 18 minutes, 14 seconds. 
That's a that's all, that's it. That's the only time they've been in a singles match. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I could remember. That. That. Yeah, yeah, that's the match you want then. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, then we have uh, Uemura Kanemaru, of course, versus Ishimori. So yeah, Kanemaru Ishimori. That'll be fantastic yeah. uh, on that night. So that, that, again, that region is so good that that Wednesday, June twenty fourth, has has potential to be. Other than you know your, your Yano. <laughs> you know, a Roman thing. Awesome. That, yeah. But yeah, you got at least Okada, Suzuki, Okada, Nagata, and then Kanemaru, Ishimori. So that sounds that sounds awesome. Uh, Wednesday, July 1st, you have Tanahashi and Taichi winner versus Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. winner. So, God, I hope we get Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr., Joe. <laughs> Are you there? I am here, yes. I pumped my fist and disconnected my <laughs> That'll happen. <laughs> I thought I got knocked off, I'm but so I guess excited. you're excited. All right, yeah, so excited. Man. I heard I heard some rustling going on there, but uh, yeah, what do you think of uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Zack Saber Jr. Man, that that man, that, that's a match that even after four months of no New Japan, I still don't want to see again. Why, why do you? Oh, you think they're so? No, I, I'm saying I hope that's not the way they go. I hope they go Tanahashi Ibushi, but we'll see. Okay, yeah, because I got my headset got knocked out of the uh, socket, but um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want Tanahashi Ibushi. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, a just... lot of people are picking Taichi as the big upset because it is New Japan Cup. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't hate a that. Lot of, there's not a lot of spots for big upsets because of the nature of this one with the juniors and the young lions. So that's the one people have circled as the big upset, which would be very disappointing, but also understandable. Uh, and then we um, have also on the July 1st, uh, Taguchi Sonata winner versus Sho and Shingo winner um, as well. So that sounds, you know, the, hmm. Shingo well, Sonata, I'd be down for. That'd be pretty cool if that happened. But Sonata's still the favorite to win the tournament, right? I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We did, we're not doing our pick'em right now, so I can't. I, I don't can't have say a feeling. Sure. I mean, yeah, I don't have. Yeah, this is where I'm. Like, people are probably expecting us to say, "Okay, book it. This guy's the winner." But like, I, my brain hasn't even thought that way. Usually, when these come around, my brain is immediately, "Okay, pick who's going to win. Think who's going to win. Break down every single match." I kind of just want to watch it and just turn my brain off in a weird way. Like, I can't wait to react to these matches and talk about everything that's going on, but I just kind of feel like, like you said, I, I just kind of want to not necessarily disconnect, but just sort of put my feet up and enjoy it. Yeah, I hear anyway. you. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why I have that feeling for this and, and, and don't usually have that feeling. But, yeah, I just, I, like, my brain isn't in, okay, who's going to win this mode? Like, you said Sonata's the favorite. I'm like, oh, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like, But Shingo has to beat Show again because – it's it's he's a heavyweight now so i don't see show beating shingo but my god that could be a great match yeah i think shingo is a is an ideal empty arena wrestler because he goes so hard and he's go 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 yeah it makes a lot of noise too there's just yeah. noise coming emanating from him as he's attacking people yeah that would i agree and he's hard and he's hard hitting and all that so um i have high hopes for that and then i guess we'll get Shingo and Sonata, right? If they go down that path, yeah, which yeah, which would, which would be equally uh, cool as well. Um, the the Tenzan Yoshihashi winner versus Yo and Bushi, uh, I could get a little. Well, we're getting one, at least we're getting at least one junior through, and it looks like Yoshihashi is going to the quarterfinals or yeah, quarterfinals, right? So, and then the Kojima Evil winner versus Goto Yujiro, like you said, some some interesting matchups there. But yeah, Goto and, and Kojima sounds fucking great. But um... let's just get Yujiro out of there. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, agree. I agree. I yeah, agree. Any, any other scenario is okay. Goto Evil's fine. Kojima Goto's fine. Uh, just yeah, no. I'm not really down for Yujiro versus Evil. That doesn't sound very fun. So, and then Goto is always a threat in the New Japan Cup. Absolutely. Yeah. What is he a five time <laughs> New Japan Cup winner? So. Yeah. So and he and, and, and really any tournament, Goto's a threat to go far. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. 
he can threaten in a G1, go to a G1 final. I think his days of winning the G1 are over, but he's definitely a guy who could be a factor in a block in a G1. Or he can go four and six. Right, like, right, right. But he can be a factor in a block at any time and go and even go all he went to a final against Kenny Omega just yeah, like not three, that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three so, t- three time winner for uh for, for Godo. So of the New Japan Cup. Of yeah. the New Japan Cup, yeah, yeah. Just want to clarify. Won a G one, at least one G one too, for mm-hmm. sure. Um so always a threat in these tournaments. Uh then July second is gonna be all four quarterfinal matches, July third, uh semifinal matches, and then like we said, we're we're taking a break. July eleventh, Osaka Joe Hall, one third capacity. Seven to nine matches for that event, including the New Japan Cup final. And then the next night, also in Osaka, Joe Hall, Dominion is back, Joe. We're, 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 we're there. They're not, t- I mean, July 12th, man. This is already, it, it feels, it feels like a long time away, but it's not going. I mean, we're, we're already there. We're back. <laughs> no, there's, these matches start in a couple days. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing is, it's like, I like that they're small cards until they get to Joe Hall. So they're not, drowning us with nine yeah, match cards until we get there that, that, that the, shows me that they know the empty arena game a little bit more that they don't need nine matches they don't need seven matches shows no bullshit six man i mean there's probably gonna be one six man on every single show that's fine i get it yeah, but yeah we're yeah. not we don't have to sit through an hour and a half of six mans to get to the the, the, the cup stuff just no just give right. us the stuff that matters give us one other showcase match and, and and move on and like you said let's hope and pray that new japan has, has, has sort of watched what other companies have done what companies have been successful with what companies have kind of failed with and, and just says okay short matches quick get to the point all action and get out of there don't don't get too long in the tooth so yeah yeah for sure i should also note uh, i will be doing daily audio behind the paywall there it is just like look at that just like the g1 audio i will be doing new japan cup audio five dollar tier that's the five dollar tier daily new japan cup audio breaking down every single show just like i do the g1 Format a little different because you don't have standings or anything like that. But the important thing is I'll be reviewing the shows uh, every day starting on the 16th. It's a nice manageable schedule. You know, you got two days in a row, Mm -hmm. like four days off, two days in a row, um, you know, three days in a row rather then like six or seven days off. So it's very manageable. I looked at the schedule. It's nothing like the G1 schedule where it's like I'm just begging for the day off, um, you know, because just trying to find the time to do the audio or whatnot. And, you know, the energy levels suffer when there's like three or four shows in a row. But uh, this is manageable, and uh, I will be doing daily audio probably up until um, – where are these – okay, so up to the third is the empty arena stuff. Correct. Yeah, I'll go right to the semifinals because that's a little format show, two semifinals and two non-tournament matches. So I'll go all the way to July 3rd. There it is. And then July, like the said, Osaka Joe Hall stuff we'll do on this show. Right. Absolutely. We'll do on this show or, or eh, yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll see how the weekends go. You know, we have, we have the ability yeah. for instant reactions. So, you know, if, if, if we're feeling like we want to right. get up early and watch this stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm fucking excited. Like you said, you're pumping fists and unplugging yeah. headsets and stuff. It, it's, it's big like boy ball G- now. It's, it's exciting. But like the G1, we'll do the two big shows together. I, I won't do that behind the paper. Right, I'll right, do right, that right. for free or maybe not for free, but with you. So, uh, whether it's instant reaction live or, or on the flagship, but okay. So that's the plan for new Japan. Yeah, there it is. So yeah, again, John Carroll's piece, voice wrestling.com. We will have reviews of all that stuff going on, uh, as well. So yeah, new Japan is back and, and voices wrestling is back too, man. It's like the site starts buzzing and starts humming. The ad dollars are coming in again. It's, it's podcast sponsors. Hit us up. We're ready again. We're back. Um, you know, zip recruiter can't do it all on their own so, or at all. So, That's right. uh, so, or at all. Yeah, there haven't been all. ads. If you people haven't noticed, there haven't been ads on these shows in the COVID era. 
uh, there's a reason for that. Uh, everybody pulled their ads. So, um, you know, hopefully New Japan coming back, get some numbers up, get some ads back. But I think it's more these companies don't have money right now. Oh, God, so, no, nobody's got anything. So, um, In addition to, you know, podcast numbers, surprisingly, across the board, down. You would think podcast numbers would be up with people not having shit. Yeah, to do I think it's it's commute. I think it's commute, man. Commute. I, it's absolutely. I was not listening to podcasts when I was at home. I just wasn't, and now I've already like today. I, I blew through four podcasts. Like commute, sitting at my desk, yeah. that sort of shit. You blow through podcasts. You don't even realize. Whereas when you're home, I'm watching stuff on TV. I'm watching YouTube. I'm watching all Japan. Like you know what I mean? I'm like watching all that stuff in the background. Where you know I'm driving for an hour and a half or an hour or two hours a day, basically I'm listening to podcasts those entire times. And when I get to my desk, I'm sitting there and I'm watching, I'm listening to podcasts. So yeah, it, it's I, I get it, I absolutely get it. I gotta tell you, I haven't looked at our numbers in a while because the numbers are bullshit. Like podcast download numbers are just horseshit. Um, and listen, podcast download numbers are whatever the host wants to tell the sponsors. It's like I have no clue how many people listen to this. It's just it's 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 a joke, but I did glance at them out of curiosity when I read a couple articles saying podcast numbers were down and at least what's being reported to us, even though we have to pull it from like 19 different sources uh, due to the nature of red circle, not complaining about red circle. They've been a tremendous partner, but, um, but the two different feeds and YouTube, all that shit. Um, we haven't really seen a decline. Have you been looking at the numbers? Yeah, or- yeah, yeah. I, I've noticed, yeah, like our YouTube numbers are about the same and, and yeah, our podcast numbers have, have stayed pretty relevant. Again, that's another, I'd say feather in our cap, at least from the numbers that we're given is that, yeah, we've, I think, weathered the storm pretty well and, and, and now we're renting a whole new phase. And I know Patreon numbers have been pretty good. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening and sticking with us. But uh, yeah. it speaks that we're well, good at this. People don't want to leave. They, we're, we're appointment radio. These other dumb shit podcasts, ah, fuck it, delete it. I'm not home or whatever. But what's the rest of it, man? You don't, you, don't, you don't fuck around with that. You listen to that every single week. Secretly sassy. I'm just saying. Uh, the YouTube numbers are, like, insignificant. Yeah, they don't matter at all. I just, you know. A good way to see about, uh, uh, you know, just to get an idea of how many people are. It's, it's surprising a, how many people do listen, though, on, on YouTube, but yeah. A couple hundred a week. It's, I mean, it's a drop in the bucket, but it, 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 I was surprised how many people listen on YouTube, honestly. Um, but the thing about YouTube is it's not about the listens on YouTube because it's never going to be a significant number. But it's a way to pick up new listeners right. if they just come across it in their algorithm discovery. or an auto it's play. The discovery or, that we want, yeah. All that bullshit. Um, but this is all uh, behind the curtain shit that nobody cares about. <laughs> right. um, or maybe they do. I mean, I when people do behind the curtain shit on things I listen to, I'm always fascinated to see like what their thought processes are and how they approach uh, their shows or how they approach their business. Um, but I think our people are champing at the bit. Is it champing or chomping? I, chomping. I believe it's chomping at the bit, yeah. You know what? I have always said and typed chomping and that fucker rob mccarran and i hope he's listening but i don't think he is <laughs> i don't think he's listening like and if he does listen i don't think he listens this deep into the show but that fucker rob mccarran corrected me on twitter like six years ago and said it was champing at the bit and it has bothered me ever since but i've never looked it up to see if it's champing or chomping I think we're wrong, and it's champing. oh, I think it, I think we are, yeah. So, so apparently it is, it is champing, but people have just kind of said chomping, and chomp means the same thing. So you can use it, but the actual idiom is champing at the bit, and that is. Did that come from horse racing? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Or horses, or fucking equine shit. <laughs> equine shit. Yeah, I believe it is equine shit. That's isn't that Hangman Page's uh, 
Sort of a chat next time I, I get to go to an AEW That's live fucking show. Horse. Equine shit. Equine shit. Yeah, equine shit. That fucking horse in the stadium stampede match still has me hot. <laughs> I don't know why. What do you mean I don't know why? It's a horse in a wrestling match. Yeah, Terry it's Terry with a horse. It's got me angry in a Jim Cornette way. Yeah. Like, I'm so annoyed by that horse. It comes riding in on the horse. Yeah, like, for years galloping. now you're going to talk about that. Yeah, that horse. He was awesome on speaking of podcasts hangman was great on the aew gimmick with the referee and shivani uh what's her name aubrey, aubrey edwards. edwards aubrey edwards yeah was it a talking aew what's the name of that fucking show i don't uh, listen to it so i have no idea but unrestricted. I, guess, I guess i should it, it sounds good yeah all right unrestricted yeah cool <laughs> that's what it is he was on unrestricted he was very good Unrestricted's not bad rich you should listen to that maybe it's, i will it, yeah maybe uh, i will can i tell you the ones to listen to listen to hangman I thought Taz was very good. Um, they're all pretty good, though. Like, none of them are duds. Okay. Interesting. Um, but but those are kind of like the standouts. Um, but they ask, like, decent questions, and it's not kayfabe or anything like that. I think that was the fear. Oh, okay. So it's not – that's kind of why I never wanted to do it, you know. Me too. But then, like, I got bored and had listened to all my usual stuff, right? So I gave it a shot, and it wasn't kayfabe at all. I'll tell you what else is pretty good is the post show with Jim Ross, Taz, and Excalibur. That does get a little kayfabe. It's a mix, but those three guys are so good at mixing it. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't become intrusive or insulting the way when they mix in the kayfabe and they drift away from it enough. Taz and Excalibur have incredible chemistry together. And it really comes through on that dynamite post show. I mean, they have okay chemistry on dark. But when they like rib each other and bounce off each other, yeah, who they knew just that those guys would be like the best friends in the world, man. They're just like, <laughs> like you hear it on dark a little bit too, but yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. interested to hear these podcasts, but yeah, it's just like two dudes. Like you would never would have assumed Excalibur and Taz, but they're like riffing on, like on each other and bouncing yeah. back and forth. Like the chemistry is unbelievable between Taz and Excalibur. It's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. They have tremendous chemistry, but um for you or anyone else who hasn't listened to any of these, the, the post show gets a little kayfabe because they are breaking down dynamite. Yeah, sure. And, th- and that's okay with a little bit of when it's done with a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We know that, we, you know, that, you know what I mean? Like when it's not, there's a way to do the kayfabe on a podcast. That's not like intrusive or lame or whatever. So it's hard to explain, but they do a good job with the balance. I, it's just hard to articulate, but they, it, it isn't like I'm not rolling my eyes going, ah, I can't listen to this fucking kayfabe shit. But the unrestricted podcast is totally behind the curtain. It's no kayfabe at all. So uh, Darby was surprisingly good on that. You wouldn't think – you think maybe he wouldn't be, I don't know, outgoing enough for that? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he is. He's, he's a little out yeah. there, but he, he's definitely outgoing. He's just kind of wild. So and he was very honest about Evolve. I mean he basically said, I was tired of killing myself, and then I'd look on social media and nobody's talking about the match. Yeah. And he said that was very frustrating for him. And, um, you know, he was very honest about that scenario. And, um, um, you know, his was very was very good, too, because I, I think he was more open than I was expecting him to be. So I didn't know personality wise how he would engage a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they're well prepared. Some of the early ones were a little shaky and I almost gave up on it. But they found a groove, Shivani and, and Edwards. And I think they have a good chemistry too. They don't talk over each other and um, they ask solid questions. And I didn't know this, but Aubrey Edwards is new to wrestling. Did you know that 
she was a referee for only two or three years. Yeah, yeah. She's famous for being the uh, uh, in the front row when uh, Daniel Bryan was uh, retiring. She's like the crying girl in the front row that, that everybody, oh, you, you, know, yeah, you know, yeah. that you know that famous image of the girl like holding back tears. I didn't realize that was her. Yeah, I, and, uh-huh. like I think I legitimately found that out like two months ago. I was like, oh yeah, right. That does, yeah, that does look like her. Oh, it is her. Okay, yeah, but no, she's she's pretty new to it, but she gets it for sure. But it's interesting because on the podcast when people talk about old wrestling stories that me and you have heard a million times, you know, famous matches or angles, a lot of it's new to her. So it's an interesting approach on a podcast because you're used to podcasts like ours with old grizzled assholes. Yeah, right, right. Talking about fucking territory bullshit. Yeah, we we, we think we know everything, but like, you know, Taz will tell some story about fucking ECW or something and she's fascinated because she's never heard it or she doesn't know. And then she asks, and then she'll ask questions that we would never think to ask, but they're very intuitive questions that get interesting answers. Mm, got it. Okay. You, you know what I mean? It's like, because she doesn't know, you know, and, 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 uh, but Shivani's there to kind of provide the experience side of it. So, um, Anyway, we're plugging someone else's podcast. <laughs> yeah, we're doing a really good job of plugging other people's shit. That's twice on this show. We're I know. What are we doing? Voiceswrestling.com slash Patreon. Voiceswrestling.com slash Patreon. These aren't even on our network. <laughs> right, at least yeah. At least... you know. Yeah. Anyway. Um, production meeting. We've got about a half hour left, and we've got a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, do you want to go bouncing around Japan? You want to talk about Game Changer? Maybe we can get two of these in. Yeah, let's, yeah. Let's dump the AEW talk. It's not Yeah, that's fighting. fine. That 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 we can talk about anytime, yeah. That was a last minute edition. We were going to break down FTR and Cornette them on the Cornette show, not do Cornette stuff cuz nobody cares, but <laughs> their their interview with Cornette and, and then their debut and their first couple appearances on AEW and then talk a little bit about the Cody weekly um TNT challenge stuff, but that's not vital. We can talk about that there's a fun uh, one. Uh, Reddit's gotten wind of, uh, of, of. It's public now, so we can talk. about Yeah, it. yeah. Next oh. week's uh, next week's TNT match looks Ricky pretty Starks. fun. Pretty fun. Ricky Starks versus Cody. It wasn't supposed to leak, but um, they've got a mole at these shows because this is the same guy who leaked a lot of the stadium stampede information. And um, you know, last night when they were taping the Cody Ricky Starks match, um. The, the post went up on Reddit and it was quickly taken down because it wasn't posted with spoilers or something. But then a couple hours later, it, and then actually um, someone was saying that they saw on Reddit that Ricky Starks had signed with, uh, with AEW. And I immediately texted Ricky Starks to see if there was some validity to it. And he was like, well, I didn't, well, this news to me, am I getting a contract? And I'm like, well, I don't know. It was just on Reddit. And then, you know, he t- told me, he goes, listen, don't tell anybody, but I, I just got out of the ring. I just wrestled Cody for the TNT title. And I was like, oh, that's fucking awesome. But um, he did he hasn't signed a contract. They just brought him in for the TNT title match. So the Reddit post that said he signed a deal and wrestled Cody was half right. I think the person is just assuming that he also signed a contract because they're putting him on TV. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, at the time of this show, he has not signed a contract. But um, yeah, next week's Cody match is going to be Cody versus Ricky Starks. So 
that one's supposed to get out, but they got some kind of mole in that building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we were Reddit. keeping it close to the close to the vest, uh, but then yeah, I looked on Reddit and it's it's there. So well, I was keeping it close to the vest for like fifteen minutes. I had like I felt like a big shot for like fifteen <laughs> right, minutes, right, right. and then it went back up on Reddit anyway. So it's like uh, all right, well now everybody knows. But um, you know, I was just so excited. I think I told you I like came yeah, into yeah, your yeah. fucking because so I was like I gotta tell somebody, but I can't tell anyone. You know, but I have to tell someone. So. I have to tell the only you're the only person I trust, Rich, with well, secret information thank like you. that. Um, but uh, but we had a feeling something was cooking with Starks and AEW. We'll just leave it at that. Okay. But um, but but yeah, that's good. So um, but we'll do the AEW stuff um maybe next week in depth or something. So let's you want to bounce around Japan? You want well, to set gonna, it let's up yeah, let's do GCW real quick because okay. that could we could do that in literally five minutes and then then we'll bounce around Japan here. So the GCW thing, as you mentioned, first American major American indie to return to action. I'm sure there's some podunk random ass indies all across the country that have, have done something. I know there's one going on in Illinois, not far from me, which I don't think is <laughs> I don't think they're supposed to, but whatever. Anyway, uh, but this thing, uh, June 20th Celebration Plaza Amphitheater in downtown Indianapolis. GCW is returning the world on uh, or the word on GCW part two, uh, Nick Gage, Nate Webb, Blake Christian, Myron Reed, Alley Cat versus Effie, uh, some other matches on, on the show as well. But uh, that is June 20th outdoor in Indianapolis. And I think the interesting part is um, the safety protocols that they were kind of telling people just kind of give us an idea of what maybe the next wave of, of, of independent wrestling shows are going to be. Uh, this is outdoor. Obviously I said, you know, an amphitheater outdoor opener venue, uh, GA is standing room only and fans can bring their own chairs to set up in a location of their choice. So it's just a big field and there's going to be a ring in the middle of the field. And you can sit wherever the hell you want. And the GA, uh, ringside seating, uh, 50% uh, reduction in ringside seating, uh, and stagger. So there's safe distance between, like you said, between people. But again, that, that only matters for when you're sitting in your chair, but once you get up and get in line for something, you've kind of already ruined that or, or whatever, um, group seating. Uh, you may sit in a small group if tickets were purchased together. Uh, and Joe, they they made a note here. There will be no fewer than twelve hand sanitizer stations on the premises. Does that mean there's going to be exactly twelve hand sanitizer stations on the premises? That means they bought twelve <laughs> hand sanitizer stations, right? Yeah, no Look, I, I fewer mean, yeah. than ten, not more than ten, ten or more. No fewer than twelve hand sanitizer stations on the premises. So. Look, New Japan, Game Changer. I don't care about these companies running with fans as long as they're observing whatever the local laws are. Yeah, it's. That's all you can ask. Uh, it doesn't matter whether I agree or not. Um, as long as they're observing the local laws, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, they have a right to do it. They have a legal uh, uh, right to, to run these shows with fans if they want. I will say that GCW obviously is not my favorite promotion to watch. Uh, we've talked a million times how we both respect their their they're the biggest promotion in the company. They're the biggest indie in the, in the, in the company, in the country right now. You would agree with that, right? Oh, I for mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. They run everywhere. They've done a great job. They, they know how to promote and market their product, even if it isn't necessarily for me. I enjoy some of their shows, but a lot of them, you know, it's just not my style, but I will say that watching indie matches come across the Twitter timeline felt good. Didn't the match announcements, yeah, there was graphics good? and I was like, Oh my God, what? There's matches, humans, people wrestling. <laughs> people can see them wrestle. Yeah, it, it was, it got me excited again. This was a, this was a fun week. And I think they put together or they're putting together a nice card for their audience. I mean, yeah, oh, giving... absolutely. Yeah. There, there, there's some debuts as well, but yeah, Nick Gage sure. and Nate Webb is, as, as your main attraction is good. Blake Christian Myron Reed sounds awesome. Uh, Lee Moriarty, Trey Lamar, Calvin Tankman, I think are, uh, our debuts as well. Uh, and, and a bunch of other matches that even haven't been announced yet, but that sounds that sounds awesome. 
no plug a roofer, the Alley Cat versus Effie, huh? Uh, I, I think I mentioned Alley Cat versus Effie before, but yeah, that's uh, I don't think it did. Not a uh, <laughs> not a voice wrestling flagship podcast match, but for that audience, yes, so good for them. Yeah, more of a BLP audience, but there's some crossover there, right? Game yeah. changer. You think they're going to do the comedy? I mean, I don't know even know yes, why I'm asking. Of course. <laughs> now, if it were, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I guess they are. Yes, Kelly Cat um, will have her belly rubbed or something like that. Who cares? Yeah, of course. Effie can go. Effie can go. Yeah, Effie, Effie's a good wrestler. Effie can go. Effie is the Inspire Pro. Uh, he holds one of the two titles. I can't remember which one. And I think he he was supposed to. I don't know this for a fact, um, but. I suspect he was supposed to lose it WrestleMania weekend since he's not, <laughs> since he's not in Texas very often. Um, so I know I know Justin Bissonette is almost assuredly listening to this, so I'm sure he's going to text me. But uh, I'm name-dropping a lot with the text. You are, yeah. Jesus Christ. That, but, that uh, lands a phone is blowing up all day. But, I mean, they got to find a way to get Effie back down to Texas to lose that fucking title now because it would have been convenient to just lose it WrestleMania weekend. Right, right, right. right. But I, I don't know for sure if that was the plan, but, um, you know, it looks like Effie's going to get himself another uh, Texas loop out of it. Good for Effie. <laughs> good, yeah, good for you. Yeah, good, right? good. Because I'm sure you could pick up a couple more promotions when you're down there. But um, Effie versus the Alley Cat. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you didn't mention that one. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I skipped right over it. Uh, they're also doing a show on the 4th of July, I should mention as well. It's called Backyard Wrestling 2. Uh, they did not officially say the location of this because it's going to be a kind of an invite-only type thing. So this will not be... Uh, it won't be attended by fans in the same way that the uh, the world on, on GCW Part 2. Uh, It'll be streamed, though, and that show was over like a motherfucker yes. with people last year. So, um, was it last year or the year before? Uh, no, it was last year, I believe. I, I believe last year. Uh, Wasn't Marco Stunt on that? How could it have been last year? Um, Dynamite hadn't started yet, I guess? Maybe it was two years ago. I don't know. I don't remember I what it was. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. Stunt, weren't the Stunt Brothers on there? On that so. show? I'm almost yeah. positive. Um, maybe they were still taking, maybe he was still taking indie book. Uh, like, does he still take indie bookings? Like, yeah, so it was, it was, it was July 4th, uh, 2019. So yeah, they were, they were still taking some. Okay. All Janela right. was on that show too. Well, sorry. Kid suicide was on that show. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Cause they all well, like, Janella... they all, they all t- took over like terrible, you know, indie or, or shitty backyard wrestling, you know, gimmicks uh-huh. and stuff too. hard ass Nick and, and stuff. So that was kind of cool. So, I mean, Janela is still basically a GCW, right? <laughs> right. It's just a. I mean, he's, you know, he's just, you know, they're letting him do that. So, yeah. which is cool. I mean, you know, you, you work one day a week, you're traveling, you know, you got to throw the travel days in there, but your weekends are still free, you know? And it's like, you know, I think that's, that's good because he's important to game changer and game changer is very important to the indie scene. So it's a good thing that he's still allowed to work those shows, but, um, but anyway, it's good to see uh, indie wrestling coming back. And I see some other promoters talking about, uh, booking wrestlers again, so that leaves us with about 15 minutes. Yeah, I think that's plenty of time. To, to can I set it. it up now? I think you can set it, and I believe we're going to have the music as well. So, uh, well, the people in the live chat, uh, let us know if you can hear this music. For for everybody else, I will. I'll be able to edit it into the. Uh, if it does not work here, I'll be able to edit it into the post show. But uh, we're going to try. So, Joe, when you are ready, take it away. Well, the yeah the the free edition, the, the, they'll have the music, right? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, for sure. But you're, oh, you're saying the people listening now might get the they music. might. I'm gonna try it. We're gonna see. Oh, this could be a fucking we're going disaster. Tech. Yeah, it's we're going. Third tech. Hour, we're going baby. high tech. Oh, we're going high tech here. Let's go. This is a fucking third hour. This is the equivalent of me talking about Tinder hookups. Just an absolute <laughs> train wreck. Just a total fucking train wreck.
Um, but Rich, are you ready to go bouncing around Japan? And we start with All Japan Pro Wrestling, where, as you have on our run sheet, and I quote, Ashino is that dude, end quote. <laughs> Rich, I've been watching all of the All Japan, and let me tell you, they have a very interesting schedule now on the AllJapan.tv. Every Wednesday, they run a single match show, right? And then it sets up either the following Wednesday's single match show or uh, like a once per week, roughly, uh, you know, regular show with five or six matches. They have killed the no fan format in all Japan. They have found a rhythm. There's a couple shows a week that you can watch now between the Wednesday single match stuff and then the longer shows. And it's almost been like episodic. Yeah. It's been like serial wrestling in all Japan, which is really cool. It's got numbers, broadcast number five, broadcast number six. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's interesting. It's easy to follow. I like this better than their normal format. Yeah. I have to be completely honest. They're doing more backstage stuff, but they're not overdoing it. Like, for example, uh, 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 Ashino and Arashi won a tag against uh, Zeus and Izanagi uh, back on May 31st. And Ashino stormed to the back and stormed into some back room to challenge Suwama to his face. And and Suwama was just making this face like, I can't believe the audacity of this guy. And Yasuke Okada is behind Suwama, kind of like, you know, the fiery youngster, like, balling up his fist. Yeah, let me at him. Let me at him. (laughs) Let me at him, boss. And he's like, no, not now. Yeah. (laughs) And it totally set up the match that I think you watched, right? You watched... Shotaro, uh, Shotaro Ashino and Kuma Arashi defeat Suwama and Yasuke Okada and uh, Enfants Terribles that's a horrible pronunciation that's not great but that's fine we'll go with it I like it uh, they have just come in like a fucking firestorm uh, they are undefeated that's not true I think Kodama has lost it Kodama has formed an unlikely relationship with Black Men So Ray they have formed a tag team, Rich. I know you're not aware of this because you only watched that one match. And uh, they've become friends. Now, Black Mensal Ray is not part of Enfants Terribles officially, but he's been teaming with Kodama on some undercards, and, and they're doing some uh, comedy stuff and whatnot. But I think he lost the tag match with Black Mensal Ray. But uh, the mainline uh, Enfants Terribles have not lost the match yet. Ashino is undefeated, and it looks like they're setting up a triple crown match against Suwama with that tag. And I am all about he's Ashino gotta win it. that match. He's got to fucking win it, dude. Yeah, I, and that's why I said he's like that man. Like, I, you know, I, I've always thought Ashino was great. Like, on this podcast, you know I'm a huge fan of him. We've talked about how we think he's going he's gonna to be a star. We think he is a star. We think he's got this aura, this presence, all this sort of stuff. You see him coming into all Japan. And, dude, like, he's so much better than, like, your Jake Lees. And these, you know what I mean? Like, instantly it's like, yeah, dude, this guy's fucking great. This is a star. This is a guy you can build around. This is a guy that should have that championship. And, yeah, I'm all in favor of it. I think it's the best move possible to have him win that title, make that invasion, you know, the, the invasion story they're doing right now, really give it some, some some juice with him winning that title. And, yeah, this they've got a star, man. They got a, a main event star. We, we, Rich, for his years, confidence. His yeah, confidence I, is I, through the it's, he comes across go ahead give me fuel give me fire give me that which I desire you know what I mean like he just like the minute yeah. the song starts you're like this guy's a fucking ass kicker and he goes out there and he kicks asses you know what I mean he looks like a million bucks he acts like a million bucks he wrestles like a million bucks it's like they gotta start and we've been saying it and like I know you had some you weren't sure eh? how's he gonna fit size wise how's he gonna dude it fits like a fucking glove man this guy's a star I have my doubts I've been proven wrong he 
fits in. The size hasn't been an issue. He comes across like a star. He comes across like he has a ton of confidence. And the push is perfect. This is how you push somebody. You bring them in, and they win all of their fucking matches. It's so hard. It's so difficult to figure out, Joe. How do I get these people over? All right. He comes in, he wins matches. Interesting. Interesting. And look at the steps. They come in, and they beat the Omoris. They beat Takeo Omori and Hakuto Omori, right? Undercard guys to establish them. Then he steps up to Jake Lee and Jin, right? Or J-I-N. Do you say Jin or do you say J? I don't know how to say that group. Jin. Okay. He steps up to Jake Lee, and then uh, they beat Jake Lee and uh, Iwamoto twice in a row. He beats him once with Arashi, and he beats him the second time with Kodama, right? Then they uh, they bounce over to Miyahara and Akira Francesco, and they and and uh, and Ashino and Arashi beat those guys. So now they're beating like the All Japan Home yeah. Army. Then Zeus steps up to him, and you're like, oh shit's getting real. Yeah, oh, he's now, not gonna be able to beat Zeus. They've had fun now, but this is Zeus. It's fucking Zeus, right? So now they're in there with Purple Haze with other heels. With other heels. And and and, and uh, Ashino and Arashi beat them too. Of course, Izanagi takes the fall, but then they beat Purple Haze. And then, like I said, he marches to the back. The camera follows him. He gets in Suwama's face and he says, get in the ring, motherfucker. We're doing this. And then they beat them in a tag on the next show. This all fucking rules. And Kodama and Arashi have been just as, well, not just as good, but they've been as good as you can expect them to be. I've really been impressed with Kodama. Really impressed. He's wrestled some singles matches. He beat Yasuke Okada right out of the gate, which told me right there, they're pushing these guys. Yeah, I love it. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's added so much juice and so much energy to all Japan. It's just an infusion of three great talents, two, you know, one star and, and you know a, a good mid card guy, a good upper mid card guy. It's it's a blessing. Yeah, junior. What a blessing for all Japan to just get these guys. And we said it at the time, like yeah, it sucks. Russell one's dying, but some of these other companies are going to get rewarded greatly. And, and and so far, I think all Japan has been you know far and away rewarded the best post you know Russell one. Yeah, we'll see what Daike Anaba does in Noah because he popped up in Noah, which makes sense because he's got the connection with the Duprees. Sure, right, right. And Renee Dupree is there now, and he has the connection with Muto, who popped up in Noah, um, who has been popping up in Noah. He's he's tied in with Muto and the Duprees. So he was trained, I think, by Renee and Emile Dupree uh, through the Muta connection. So I kind of figured he would pop up there, and he did. I don't think he's wrestled yet, but and then we'll see where the other guys fall. Uh, but, you know, Anaba and, and Ashino obviously were the big chips. And, and I guess the rest are just going to follow Kaz Hayashi into this new project with Ladette, which no one needs this, Rich. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, 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 I admire Japan having this thing where, like, guys have to form their own companies all the time, but nobody in the universe is asking for a new Kaz Hayashi Ladette, you know, produce. Company, we're getting so. re- we're getting we're getting Wrestle One without Ashino yeah, and Anaba. Wrestle Two, yeah, Wrestle Two. Who get, get excited? Let's go. Yeah. Without the two guys with any fucking juice, right? Right. You know? and it's like it, without the two, you know, so it's like and, and Wrestle One didn't draw. Why is this new company gonna draw without those two guys? It's gonna fail. But it's like if they're if someone's gonna give you money to do this, then mm-hmm. then then they're gonna do it. If you find a money mark, then the cycle is gonna continue. Where I would rather see all these guys. Shuji Kondo and, and, and Hayashi and Andy Wu and uh, uh, the Pantera, all these guys, I'd rather see them dissipate and, and, and beef up these other promotions rather than just do this bullshit all over again. And, and when it's inevitably going to fail. But yeah, this has worked out way better than I thought it ever could. 
Ashino needs to beat Suwama, yeah. and they need to have Miyahara chase Ashino. That's that's the, that's what you do when the fans come back. You have Miyahara chase Ashino. Now you never know; they haven't been in front of fans yet. But I have a feeling he's going to be over just fine. In front I of can't the imagine fans. he's not. I, I I I just can't. I literally cannot imagine that he's not over. You know. It, it, terms of fans i mean it, watching it there's there's people in our chat room i know that have been saying like oh i haven't been watching all japan lately Dude, go go watch all japan it has been fucking fantastic and like i said they're no, easy yeah. watches you click the video and easy boom watches. you're there like that let's go it's 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 been yeah it's been really exciting how they've, how they've they like and we said it weeks ago they i think have transitioned better to empty arena than almost any other company in, in the entire world i might put them number one yeah i'd put a w number one a w number one all japan number two i'd say that's how i would put it yeah uh, I, and number three is a toss-up. You can go a bunch of different directions. But um, I might go 0-1 or 2-A-W because it's not a drastic departure. Yeah, 2-A-W is pretty, pretty seamless. Yeah. Feels the same. But, um, but yeah, that, that's what they need to do. And I'm very hyped about it. And, uh, and yeah, a huge recommendation. I'm totally caught up. I watched it all like in a day and a half. I just fucking tore through it all. But uh, let's see. We've got a couple more topics to get to in only a couple more minutes. But I think that was the long one, which is why I squeezed it in first. Rich, I did not watch it. Do you want to tell me about Ata winning the King of Gate over Naruki Doi? Yeah, so Ata gets the, the big win over Naruki Doi. A lot of people had expected that Naruki Doi might, you know, at least make the finals and, and might win the whole thing. Ata gets the big win. Kind of a, I'd say a semi-ish surprising win. Uh, a pretty good match. I, I wouldn't say like a great match. It's kind of been the King of the Gate rub. Uh, this entire year, like I don't think it's like a match that you need to drop everything and go watch immediately. But pretty damn good action, pretty fun action, and a big moment for Ata as well. You know, year. You know, I, I think he was in the finals the prior year. Uh, uh, King of Gate lost. This year he comes back, he wins it. He's got a little bit more confidence. He's feeling himself a little bit more. So, so really good. I mean, a huge moment for Ata. Uh, a big, you know, uh, a building moment for Ata. Uh, so I, I will say, Case Low did a great job in a review. Uh, as well, voicewrestling.com talks a little bit. Uh, it gives you a lot of background of Ata's career too. If you're kind of wondering, hey, well, you know, what's the deal with Ata? Where you know, where did he come from? Uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. He, he he breaks it down in excruciatingly great detail as well there at, uh, at voicewrestling.com. But yeah, really, really good final. Uh, again, not a match that I think you, you, is going to be like match of the year. I don't think you have to drop everything to watch, but a, but a, a solid enough match and, and cool to see Ata really feel like a, a, a big time star. Uh, for I'd say pretty much the first time in his, his his career so far, he's been little by little moving up the ladder, moving up the ladder, moving up the ladder. But this is the first time it really felt like okay, they might have something with this guy. This guy might be something. So so good stuff there. Uh, ultimately, the tournament I, I, I've seen, I think all the all the tournament matches, I would say a, a tremendous disappointment from what I expected it was going to be, and from what you know Dragon Gate was doing with empty arenas before. Just not real, not, not that much energy. A lot of matches that didn't really land. Uh, to that level. I think they finished out on a good note. They finished out with some good matches, but yeah, I was, I can't say that I wasn't disappointed by, by King of Gate. Cause I, I absolutely was, I had really high hopes uh, for Dragon Gate's empty arena tournament. It just, it just didn't land with me, but uh, the main events solid enough. So you should definitely check it out if you get a chance. So. I will watch it. I just didn't squeeze it in before the show. Dragon Gate hardcores are down on Ata. I am not. I enjoy his heel stuff. Um, but um, you know, I'll, I'll check out the final and, and see what I think myself as we bounce over to the 2AW Square, where we've been watching a lot of matches from a lot of companies <laughs> as they use that little 2AW building for 2AW in the match I was pumped up for. Chris Weiss defending the 0-1 heavyweight title against Hartley Jackson. Rich, I don't believe you watched I have not. Yeah, I have not seen that. Yeah, so you're going to have to let me know what happened. It's a good two-hour show with nothing skippable. I'm telling you. This is a great time burner this weekend. If you got nothing else to watch, I'll start with the main event. We got to go quickly. 
and we got one more company to get to. Chris Weiss defending against Hartley Jackson, the Australians going at it. I was pumped for this because I thought the booking was very good to build to this match with Hartley Jackson returning as a surprise at the anniversary show and then challenging Chris Weiss as his first challenger here. Uh, Rich, are you familiar with a typical 0-1 World Heavyweight title match? Yeah, yeah. They're Two big guys clubbering each other. Long, yeah. It's like 19 minutes to 25 minutes usually, yeah. But not too long. It's usually uh, raining in a little. and It's kind of like miniature Big Japan strong matches in right, a way. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, dollar store Big Japan strong is, is basically 0-1, yeah. That's what you're getting here. Ah, These two guys right. in there, they pounded each other. See, but I see it as a positive. You see it as a negative. I see it as a positive. Uh, look, when I'm watching a company like Zero One, I don't need them mimicking New Japan and going out there and doing 35 minutes. You give me a 17 minute Chris Vice Hartley Jack. Do you really want more than 17 minutes? Not out really. No, no, I really don't. <laughs> uh, it was very good. I mean, they, you know, it's not in the notebook or anything, but I would say a solid three and a half, uh, three and a quarter star match where they beat the living shit out of each other. And uh, Chris Vice retains the title. So we'll see the next step in uh, in Chris Vice's title reign, which with no fans, fuck it. Why not give him a shot on uh, a shot on top on 0-1? But Rich, that was not the highlight of this show. There were two matches that, dare I say, are must-see. Number one is Shinjiro Otani defeating Satsuki Nageo, a rookie making his debut. Rich, he beat the living shit. <laughs> yes, I love it. Beat the living shit out of this young boy. And the young boy fought back and was slapping him in the face and going, Rich, go out of your way to watch. Oh, this he wasn't, he wasn't happy to make a moment with Shinjiro and Tani? And I'm, you know what? You've been looking at my tweets. <laughs> oh, I stole your thunder. I'm sorry. I, no, it's no. I'm glad you set me up because I wasn't even going to bring that up. Because Nageo loses the match. And does he happy? Is he saying he made a moment? No. He's in the ring with his face in his hands, and he's disappointed. He's pounding the mat with yeah, his He's not fist. bowing and saying, thank you, sir, for giving me that match. My moment has been created, yes. I mean, he bowed to him after he showed that he was pissed off, but he showed respect. Well, yeah, a little it's... respect is fine, but yeah, you got to be a little upset, too. Yeah, I'm sure the guy fucking had a hand in training him, or flat-out training him, but he was so disappointed that he didn't win his debut match against what essentially is a Japanese junior legend. And uh, they slapped the shit out of each other. And, of okay. course, Otani, I'm interested. I'm interested. Uh, a typical veteran versus young boy where the young boy, the veteran takes a little bit of a beating. But, you know, when the line is crossed, he's had enough. And then he just beats the shit out of the kid. So uh, excellent match. Now, the semi-main event, Tawa Iwazaki versus Yuka Miyamoto. They went to a time limit draw. This is notebook material. This was awesome. I know you're looking at this and thinking 30-minute time limit draw in that little empty building, no fans, two wrestlers who can come across a little dry sometimes. But these are good workers, and they worked a very smart match. I'm not going to give away the story of the match, but I, I highly recommend this. I I'm going four stars flat on Tawa Iwazaki versus Yuka Miyamoto in the time limit draw. And then the rest of the card was watchable, too. There's a big angle with our boys Sugi and Raicho. We've talked about Sugi and Raicho yeah. before. They were in a tag match here, Rich, and the lights went off. Uh oh You know what that means. <laughs> Sandman. <laughs> Sabu. Sabu. Sabu, yeah. No Sabu, though. Oh. I always think it's going to be Sabu. I think it's going to be Sabu every time, but it's not Sabu. I won't give away who it was, but that match ended in no contest because two guys came out and beat the living shit out of those two. So, And then there was a nice little tag with uh, Masato Tanaka and Yuji Hino versus Kohei Sato and Shoki Kitamura, you could imagine. Yeah, it sounds uh, up my alley, too. So it sounds like a hell of a show. I might watch it's that. a good show, I'm telling you. Solid two-hour show where you can watch the whole thing and not skip anything. But what we are going to skip now is skip over to 2AW 
and I'm going to kick it back to Rich. I have not watched this yet. Rich, our boys, Chango and Kaiji Tomato, the dream is over. The dream is over. We're going to go back to 2AW Square. <laughs> Joe, who knew that so much, the, the epicenter of wrestling, 2AW Square, over these last three months. So, uh, uh, you know, we'll wave goodbye to 2AW Square for a little bit as, as some of the people leave. But Chango and Kaiji Tomato have fallen. They have lost the 2AW Tag Team titles. Ayumu Honda and Taishi Takizawa defeat them. Nefarious means they had to cheat to do it. They had to distract a referee. Oh, it's just, it, it was tragic, Joe. Kai, Kaiji Tomato and Chango, so disappointed. But God, they went 27 minutes, so it sounds long. But these guys are so fucking good. It was great. It was so good. It feels, it never at any point felt like a 30-minute match. I mean, bouncing all over the ring, fast action, Chango and Kaiji Tomato. Again, like, I, they're they're legitimately, I, they're the tag team of the year. Honestly, I think I'm there. Put them number like, one. You're putting them number one. I think I am. I mean, it, and we'll see how the rest of the year goes. They're probably going to get passed by a few people. But right now, man, every time I watch them, I'm never disappointed. And, and. I, I, I give a lot of value to like how you appear as a team and how you work as a team and that sort of stuff. And like we said, we've been saying the prior weeks, like they just bounce all over the ring, they tag at the right time. They're you know everyone they're, they're just in perfect lockstep, and it's so awesome to see. But yeah, uh, Honda and, and, and Takizawa beat them here. Uh, as I said, very nefarious. They needed to cheat to win. So I, I have a feeling Chango and Kaiji are going to get another shot at those titles. Are they going to win them again? I don't know. But uh, yeah, th this reign uh, will go down in history, and it is it is it has helped us through. One of the dark periods in, uh, in in our human history here with this COVID pandemic. But thankfully, Chango and Kaiji Tomato have given us many, many entertainments. So hopefully this isn't it for those guys. Uh, we see them again. But uh, God bless those uh, those beautiful men for what they've given us. I've been an absolute coward with their other three matches. And I've gone three and three quarters all three times. You're Am probably going to go three and three quarters on this one again. It's, That's it's like it's right there again. Yeah, it's like. It's not great, but it's good. You know what I mean? Like, so yeah, you're, you're definitely gonna go three and three quarters again, like an absolute fucking. Nothing fucking wrong with that, though. Nothing wrong no, with they three can pile and three. those up. We always talk about Susumu piles up three and a half star matches. Like they're fucking, you know. Some people go out there and, and, and grab a few five stars every single year. Susumu just gets twenty three and a half star to four star matches a year, and, and and you know he's better off for it. So. Hey, you just named them your tag team of the year, and you have not got notebook on this. You you don't the proverbial notebook because yes. you don't keep one. Yeah, yeah. You have not gone notebook with them yet either, so uh, but you're still calling them your tag team of the year. Yeah, they just every time out, you know you're going to get a solid, like a solid as fuck match out of these two guys, and they're they're super entertaining. And, and again, it, it, like you said, two AW and zero one, like two AW especially, you don't think that you're watching an empty arena at any point. You're like, I'm watching a trash Japanese indie, and I'm cool with it. Like it feels fine, you know what I mean? Like there's there's enough noise, there's enough going on. That it, yeah, it, 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 it's seamless. So, yeah, I, I definitely recommend people check that match out. Uh, you especially need to check it out and, and see what you think. But, uh, yeah, Chang and Kaiji Tomato add another notch to their uh, Tag Team of the Year uh, uh, candidacy, even though they do lose the uh, 2AW, the, the coveted 2AW Tag Team titles. So. We have bounced around Japan. That was a fiery segment. That was, yeah. Sorry if I was loud. The, the music was pretty loud in the background. So I, I feel like even though I can't hear the music ever, including this time, I know the music's on, and I feel you can like feel the energy. You can feel it. Yes, yeah. and we always pick up our pace. Yeah, and our energy when we do this. Like, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. We just burn through like an hour and a half of content in fifteen minutes in that bouncing around Japan. Just the, the pace and the energy, and you know you got to keep it moving. Maybe we should just play bed music for the whole show. That's true. Yeah, it would, it would infuriate me to, to, to no end. But, yeah, maybe I could find a way where it, it plays to the uh, the listeners but not to me. But, uh, 
don't know, but but it did hype me up a little bit. So yeah, maybe it's not the worst idea to play uh, the bed music the entire time. Well, end the show, Rich. That's it. So anyway, this has been the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast, Patreon.com. Uh, slash Voice of Wrestling. We also mentioned at VoiceWrestling.com, Case Lowe's King of Gate review, uh, John Carroll's incredible New Japan Cup preview at VoiceWrestling.com. Make sure you check both of those out. That is it for us. Voice of Wrestling flagship Patreon, Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling. Make sure you do that. For Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you next time on the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. Take care. All right. Done.